this week on the Divided Opinion podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Divided Opinion 2022-2023 Premier League preview. <laughs> just got him in 18. 18? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you got him to get relegated? I just have a feeling about him. <laughs> I just don't think they've prepared very well. What are your thoughts as a Manchester United fan? Are you feeling optimistic? Are you not? I know you're always optimistic. Right? Yeah, I am feeling optimistic again. Yeah. <laughs> I think you have to be. I think there's no point in being a football fan if you're not going to be optimistic. Can you can you just can you just read out the transfers? Yeah, right. We're going through them now. Um, Probably need a couple of pages. On, I, I think this must be broken. This says says we haven't signed anyone. Hello and welcome back to the Divided Opinion 2022-2023 Premier League preview. My name is Joel and as always, Westy joins me. How are we, Westy? All good? Ready for the new season ahead? Yeah, buzzing, mate. Can't wait to get back at it and um, yeah, never probably never disappointing season. But Yeah, well, I think both of us can feel a little bit apprehensive going into the next season. Obviously, we'll come to both of our teams later in the episode. First off, we're going to start by looking back at last season's predictions. So basically, yeah, in this episode, we're going to go through our predictions for each club, go through a few players to watch, a few like little keys to each team's success, and then we're going to tell you where we think they're going to finish. And yeah, so now we're just going to react to this episode, but a year ago. Yeah. A year already. Mad. Yes. Yeah, so right, do you want to take us through them? Do you want to go? Th- do you want me to read yours first or mine? They're both they're both as bad as each other. Well, start off at the relegation zone and move up. Okay, so um, your relegation zone, um, you got obviously I think both has got the bottom team Norwich right, um, right. and then you've gone above them Southampton and Newcastle. Obviously Newcastle in hindsight, no. No. but. Yeah, it was a good shout back then. It's fair, we, you we couldn't have known. That, I, know, I mean, if you looked at the first three months of the season, they were going down if they didn't get any any change. Exactly. Yeah, I'm not too. I mean, it's not a good one. No, it's, it's not good at all. But. Um, in my bottom three, I I got two right actually. I got Norwich and Burnley. Um, but I also put Southampton as well as you. But I think yeah. I think that's a team that probably could be in trouble this season. Mm, yeah, we'll get to that. I think. It's, yeah, I think the Burnley and Newcastle one were both kind of unprecedented circumstances, weren't they? I think if Burnley hadn't sacked Daesh, in my opinion, they maybe wouldn't 100% stayed up, obviously, but I think they very much could have. Mm. And that came back to bottom in the end. So, yeah, not great. Um, Southampton, I could see what I was thinking, but they're always there and thereabouts, aren't they, Southampton? Yeah, exactly. Right, so in 17th, you went for Brentford. Um, Palace in 16th and Burnley in 15th right I went for Newcastle in 17th Brighton in 16th and Watford in 15th right what were we both thinking with Watford yeah oh I mean you put Watford in 14th for place higher 
I'm not really sure what I was thinking there. No, 14th, you've gone Watford. 14th, I've gone Brentford. So I think if you just look back at the table, no, it wasn't too bad of a shout, Brentford. They got finished 13th in the end. Let's move up the league now. Move up the, the league. Where it gets interesting. So 14th, you had Watford. Just above that, you've gone Brighton in 13th. That can't be far off. What's that? What did they get? 12th? They got ninth in the end, Brian. Very good, very good finish. Wow. Um, you've then gone Wolves in twelfth, Aston Villa in eleventh, and Leeds United in tenth. I mean, a very optimistic shout. I mean, up until now, have <laughs> I got anything right? Not, not particularly. I no. think you can almost just switch the league round with what I've yeah. done. Yeah, yeah. I went, I went Wolves in thirteenth. I went Palace in twelfth. Which, uh, where did Palace finish in the end? I think they did finish 12th. They finished 12th. Yeah. Um, West Ham in 11th for me. And I went Everton in 10th. A pretty bad one there. Yeah, that's pretty poor. Where did I put it? We haven't had Everton yet for me. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Not sure why you're laughing. You've put them 8th. Oh, my word. Um, So, yeah, you've gone Leeds 10th. And then you've put West Ham 9th and Everton 8th. Which is both... Uh, West Ham, not too bad of a shout, but yeah, Everton. It's pretty poor, isn't it? It's pretty it's poor. I was, I was thinking literally before we came into the episode, I was like, imagine if we just come on and we, we've not looked at our old predictions and like, I've just got them all right. Yeah. Could have been more wrong. Very short chance of that happening. Um, so yeah, I went Everton 10th. I've gone Leeds 9th and Arsenal. Oh, so you were much better then. No, Arsenal 8th for me last season. Um, so we're into the top eight now. I feel like I might do better as the league goes up, to be fair, because I know you were optimistic with United. Yeah, I suppose so. Um, right, <laughs> come on. Let's go through the top ones. All right, now we're going to the top eight. And yeah, so you had Everton eighth, Arsenal seventh, and Tottenham. Not far off. Tottenham sixth. Right. I had, I had Arsenal eighth, Villa. Seventh, that's a poor one, yeah. And that was with Dean Smith in charge as well. I'm not sure what I was thinking. Um, and then Spurs sixth. So now we go into the top five on both of ours. We both put so if we've gone Leicester in top five, we both put we both put Leicester in fifth. I mean, another poor shout going off previous seasons. We had reasons to believe that would happen, but yeah. So now I'll do your top four all, all in one. You put United in fourth, um, Liverpool third, Chelsea second and City first. So I got City at least. I went Liverpool fourth, <laughs> Chelsea third, Man United second and Manchester City first. So Bar City. Man United second? Yeah. It's not good, is it? It's not good. It's not good from either of us. I think yours maybe was a little bit better than mine. Possibly. I think the moral of the story is don't do predictions. So what are we going to go and do? We're going to go and do another hour or so talking about our predictions for next season. Hopefully we've learned a little bit more. We've done a year of doing a podcast, a year of doing Divided Opinion on the Instagram. If you guys want to follow that, it's at Divided Opinion on Instagram, incidentally, where we put match reports, articles, things like that. So hopefully we've learned a bit more. And I'm a little bit more confident, West, if I'm honest. A little yeah. bit more confident in my... Um, yeah. Knowledge, I suppose you'd say. Um, mm. Right, should we just get straight into it? Yep, let's, let's go straight right, into it. Right, well, we'll start with Arsenal. So, obviously, we'll go for Arsenal's window first. Obviously, 
had a good window, I think. Um, I think Mikel Arteta would have been happy about this. I think if you'd offered him this at the start of the window, I'm sure he would have taken it. So, obviously, Marquinhos from Sao Paulo for three million, which he's a young winger, maybe someone to keep an eye on. Then you've got Fabio Vieira, who's an attacking midfielder from Porto. 30 million they cost him. Uh, I'm getting the stats here from goal.com. Um, Matt Turner, who's a backup keeper from New England Revolution, United States. Um, and then Gabriel Jesus from Manchester City, probably the marquee signing to date. Uh, 45 million from Man City. And then Alexander Zinchenko, also from Manchester City. So I think... Yeah, I, I personally think Mikel Arteta, it's, it's clear that he is building something. We knew that already. He's been able to add more players in. He's been able to shift some other players out as well that he didn't want around. So, Alexander Lacazette's moved on. Guendouzi's moved on on a permanent deal. Nuno Tavares has gone out on loan, obviously, after a disappointing first season for Arsenal. And Leno's gone out on loan and players like that. How are we assessing Arsenal's window then, Westy? Um... I think they've made some shrewd signings. Certainly signings that fit in with the philosophy and sort of style that Arteta's trying to implement and or already has implemented in fairness to him. Obviously they're nowhere near at the the end of their sort of project. It's very much in the sort of start to middle part of it. And it's it's all I say, I say they're bang on in the middle, me. Yeah. I, I think they've just maybe just gone past the middle part. Yeah, I think they're and I think they're probably at the sort of the most important stage of that project now. It's sort of yeah. they have to sort of go and not necessarily go and win win a big trophy but they need to sort of maybe pick up an FA Cup or something this season yeah they do but yeah in terms of their window I mean I think it's yeah it's a good window and it suits what they're trying to do it suits their style I think Zinchenko's a smart signing I think Zinchenko and Jesus both of them it's not only a good signing to in terms of the quality they had on the pitch but it's also Arteta's obviously clearly trying to bring a sort of winning mentality over to Arsenal. Mm. Obviously, two players that have had so much experience of winning at Manchester City. So, it doesn't always have to be a player that's sort of going to set the world at like. They don't have to be the, no. the the top, top names in world football. As long as they bring something like a winning mentality to a team. I think you've just yeah. got to look at other teams that have got loads of big name players. And maybe some of them haven't had that experience of winning. And it doesn't always work. So, yeah, I think they've had a mm. solid window. Yeah, we can have a look quickly at their pre-season. Obviously, I think people are getting very excited about Arsenal, uh, yeah. namely Arsenal fans. Um, going through their pre-season, so they beat Nuremberg 5-3, then they beat Everton 2-0, they beat Orlando City 3-1, then they beat Chelsea 4-0, they beat Sevilla 6-0, Gabriel Jesus is scoring bucket loads of goals. Yeah, I think there's there's reason to be excited for Arsenal and for Arsenal fans. I think obviously there's always an asterisk next to their name and I think it's just, it's that it's that unprecedented side of things. It's that obviously on paper they've got everything they need now. I think maybe another, maybe another winger, maybe another centre midfielder, but on paper they look ready to build and yeah, like have a tangible return from this process that Arteta goes on about. It is just about it's kind of the mentality thing, isn't it? Really, and maybe that is where the Jesus is and the Zinchenko's taken to that next level. Because last season, Arsenal bottled it. I I hate to say it; it's my least favorite phrase in football. But Arsenal completely bottled it. Like those, those games. Let's go. We can go back now and have a look. So obviously, the Crystal Palace, Brighton, and Southampton. Three losses on the spin. Three nil against Crystal Palace. I mean, you win one of them games, they're in the Champions League. Yeah. That kind of that those kind of games, they can't let them get away from them. Those games, right? So anyway, because 
we don't want to stick on every team too long. So let's have a look at where we've both predicted. See, I'm in. I've got basically in where Arsenal's in now, and there's another team that I'm in between the two of them. I don't know. Do you want to go first? We'll take it in turns going first. You go first this time. I'll I've, go first next. I've got Arsenal to finish sixth. Sixth. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm not going Arsenal sixth. I might make a little rejig here. Um. In terms of Chelsea's window, I mean, I know obviously I don't want to cheat here, but do we look like? Does it look like they're going to be signing more players? They could get that. Obviously, they're interested in that Sesco that you're interested in. Maybe Frankie mm. De Jong. I think the key thing for me with Chelsea, and obviously we'll get to Chelsea, but I think the key thing for them is a centre back or a another centre back or two. Right. Well, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna lock it in. I'm gonna go just for a bold one. I'm gonna go Arsenal in fourth. Fair enough. We'll see. Fair we'll enough. see what happens. Someone's got to make it exciting, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, my reasoning behind that, I just think Arteta has got the squad at his disposal that he's been yearning for, and he's he's had even longer another preseason to to build his his the foundations for his philosophy. I mean, I hope the foundations are there. I think, like you were saying, I think they've now they're past that the middle part now. They've done the foundations. Now they've added a few kind of luxury players and furthered what they're doing. Now it's time for a return on on what they're doing, and I think for me fourth. It's fourth or nothing for Arteta. I mean, I don't know where Arteta goes if he doesn't get fourth. Hmm. I don't know if the the Arsenal fans think they'll probably lose patience. Right, we'll move on now to Aston Villa. Interesting. An interesting um, a transfer window for them. Obviously, they did a lot of their business quite early on, I think, to try and get ahead of competitors in the market. Obviously, Felipe Coutinho signed on a permanent after his successful loan last season. £17 million. Bubakar Kamara. From Marseille, obviously was a player linked with Manchester United in the January transfer window, and then Villa is is kind of a, a strange one really. It seemed like a lot of the big names were in for him, and, and Villa just seemed to to get ahead of everyone and and get him in the door. Then Diego Carlos from Sevilla, um, Brazilian, um, twenty six million. I think he's he's a well known player, isn't he across across the continent? And yeah, someone that I've been aware of for a while and. It'd be interesting to see how he does in the Premier League. And then they've got a few other kind of reserve players. They've got this Ludwig Augustinson on loan from Sevilla. I'm not sure if you know much about him. Um, yeah, but what are your kind of initial thoughts about Villa going into next season, Westy? Um, I think they've had a, a good window. I'm excited to see Kamara in action, uh, see what he's mm. all about. Um, yeah, see what the fuss is about. But um, no, I think, I think they're in for a better season than last. I think... Now yeah. Gerard's had a sort of full preseason with with his team, and he's got to know them, and he's added a, a few players who he wants in, and maybe got a few out the door that he doesn't want. I think mm. it can sort of only ways up really for Villa. It should be anyway because they, in the second half of last season, they 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 should have done a lot better. Um, yeah. So I just, I just really think that I think that Gerard and Villa need a good start. Otherwise, I feel like it yeah. could get a bit sort of uneasy if it doesn't get a good start because. As you see, at the end of last season, the last fifteen games or so, it was really poor. So, and I think people uh, sort yeah. of people sort of just laid back on Gerald a bit because they thought, you know, he's only been in the job a few months. So, we'll, yeah, so, we'll cut him yeah. some slack. Yeah, I think underwhelming is definitely the word to describe Gerard's kind of however many months in charge of Villa last season. Obviously, he ended up finishing fourteenth in the end. It was like there was it was kind of just oscillated their form like it was. 
peaks and troughs. They did had a few strung a few wins together and then they'd be poor again. It was just inconsistent. I mean, I'm interested to see if Coutinho can can find that form that he had when he started because I was disappointed with him later on in the season. Yeah. Um, I've seen people going for him in FPL. I mean, I'm not touching him for FPL, me personally, anyway. I, I just wanted to go back to Arsenal because I want to do this. Basically, I've got a one to watch for each team. And for me, with Arsenal, the one to watch is William Saliba, without question. Obviously, so for those that don't know about William Saliba, obviously they signed him for around 20 million, I think, maybe a little bit more, 30 million maybe. Um, from um, San Etienne, around, he, he played with Fafana and he was, I think he was 18 at the time when they signed him and they sent him back on loan there. Then he came in, Arteta didn't give him a chance, sent him back on loan. He's had a six-month loan at Nice and then a, a year loan last season at Marseille and he's really impressed people. He's been in the France squad and obviously it's going to be really interesting, the kind of dynamic with Gabriel and Ben White. We could see Arsenal putting in um putting out a like a different formation maybe i've seen a, a three five i can't remember if it's a three four three maybe it probably would be a three four three um or three 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 four one two maybe with saka in a right wing back position i've seen them do mm. it in in pre-season um yeah it'd be interesting to see that so yeah william saliba is my one to watch for arsenal well, so we segue from that onto Aston Villa. So, who would your be your player to watch, Westy, for Aston Villa this season? For Aston Villa, I, I know who mine is. Mm, I, I think it's got to be Jacob Ramsey. You reckon? Yeah, I think obviously he's he sort of made his name already known, but obviously he's still got a long way to go, and he just keeps improving and keeps getting better. And hopefully, I think mm. by the end of this season, maybe not before the World Cup starts, but. Certainly, after that, in the sort of back end of next this season, he could definitely get a, a shout in the England squad. Yeah, I think the one for me is Bubakar Kamara. Just more of a case of like, I'm just interested to see how he gets on. Yeah. Interested to see what the fuss is about. It's interested to see whether one of the big boys has missed out on a on a coup. Um, yeah, looking actually, that's what I was going to go on to because yeah, you made reference to them maybe getting selling a few players Aston Villa, but actually looking at their window. No, no real big names have gone. Obviously, Targets joined Newcastle on a permanent, but he wasn't there. He wasn't in the plans. That Trezeguet's left. Wesley's moved. He's gone on loan, but he wasn't even around, was he, last season? A horror hand's gone. So, the, it's kind of... He's got rid of a few, bit of dead wood there, Gerard. But really, he's kept the kind of focus of that squad he's kept together. Obviously, the Mings situation's going to be interesting. Obviously, he's been stripped of the captaincy and McGinn's been given it. There's no obvious reason, right? an outward reason why. No kind of controversy or anything like that. He's not very I don't know good. Whether Gerard, yeah, I think that <laughs> might be the case. Um, we've been, I've not been a fan of Mings for quite a long time. I do think, in terms of leadership qualities, etc., I think he has got some, and I think he's not the worst defender in the world. But I just think for a team like Villa, when they're pushing on and they want to play this brand of football, this attacking brand of football, he's just not going to work with a player like Mings. He just, he's like, yeah, he. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan, but it'll be interesting to see because I'm not 100% sure this Diego Carlos is going to be all that. He's quite a kind of a quite a laboured player at times. Quite a. He's like he's he's a bit like Tyrone Mings, really. They've sort of they've sort of put in a like for like sort of replacement for Mm. him, just a Brazilian version. This is probably one of the harder teams to predict, I'd say, Aston Villa. But where have you gone with Aston Villa? Bearing in mind they finished 14th last season. I've gone generous with them. I've just I put them in 10th. 
tenth. Yeah. Explain the reasoning behind that. Um, I, I just think they're going to have a better season than the other sort of teams floating around the middle around them. And yeah. I don't know. Obviously, it could they could very easily finish again fourteenth, fifteenth. But I think they've got to sort of realise their their quality and their expectations. And if they do, that's the sort of position they they should be aiming to finish a top top ten finish is definitely wouldn't it's definitely not the question for them and that's what they should be aiming for so that's why i've put them in temp yeah that makes sense like looking on paper and you think yeah. the players they've got surely they can grind some wins out obviously it'd be interesting to see the comparison of the form actually i think we did do a post about it before but uh, the form between gerard and dean smith and how much of an improvement there actually was because i don't from me from the outside not looking at the stats there didn't seem to be that much improvement if I'm honest, like the and Gerard's had players brought in as well. I mean, Coutinho, what a player to have it at your disposal. That's someone that Dean Smith didn't have, and he was that Grealish replacement, really, wasn't he? For me, if we're looking at Villa, if we're going through their squad, anywhere below, I mean, what's viewed as a failure for Villa? I think anything below twelve, really. Yeah. Um, so I'm actually going to go oh this is horrible this this is really horrible I'm actually just going to go a poor on the villa I'm going to go 15th <sighs> they're going to be a place lower than last season so you're basically going I for just... Gerard to get the sack Um, actually I'm going to change it oh, sorry I thought you'd have done Cause... this no I've just got a thing here in front of me that's like I can move it around. Oh, so you're moving it around on on the basis of what's been t- talked about? Yeah. Ah, fantastic. <laughs> mate, think think smart, not hard, mate. Um, work smart, not hard. Not think hard. What? <laughs> I'm gonna go. Um, I'm gonna go them in 14th. No, I'm not. Flipping hell. I'm not. I'm gonna keep them in 15th. I think it's against it's against the rules, and it really changing now. Yeah. Um, so Aston Villa in 15th for me. I'm just. Just not that convinced, really. I know they've got some good players, like, but to finish 14th last season, and they should have been on a high last season. Regard, like, I mean, look, when you look at their squad, saying 15th for that squad is is pretty shocking, to be fair. Um, and I, I, I think I'm going to regret that, but we'll move on. Hmm. Uh, we'll move on now to Bournemouth. Now it's been a, a tricky window for Bournemouth and Bournemouth manager um, Scott Parker. Yes, I think he's been outwardly pessimistic, Scott Parker. Um, They've signed Ryan Fredericks from West Ham on a free transfer, Joe Rothwell from Blackburn on a free transfer, and then Marcus Tavernier from Middlesbrough, who is the first kind of um, money signing that they've made. Hmm. And I was looking at Tavernier. I mean, he's not stat padding like his brother is over at Rangers. I think he got five goals and five assists last season. Yeah, he might be a good addition, but... They have lost players, this Bournemouth team. They've lost Gary Cahill. He was released, though, so I don't know if he was viewed as a as a, a, yeah. an important player to them. To be fair, they've, it looks like they've had a few kind of release, players released, so I'm not sure if that's... They've not... They've, they have got a, a kind of a base to their squad, haven't they, Bournemouth? What, have you got any thoughts? Mm, yeah, I'm pretty worried for Bournemouth. Mm, no, not made anywhere near enough signings. I think their current starting... Starting eleven, starting fifteen, as you'd like to call it, sometimes it doesn't lack. It lacks Premier League quality, and yeah, like you say, Tavernier is a, is a good signing. He should improve them, but is he someone that's single-handedly going to keep them above the relegation zone? Definitely mm. not. Probably. 
So, yeah, they have got. Yeah, sorry, carry on. I was just going to say, I'd be very surprised if they if they beat the drop. Yeah, I would be very surprised as well, and that will probably tell you a lot about our predictions. The, the the thing that kind of gives me hope for them is that they have got some good players. They have got some Premier League quality players. They've got Jefferson Lerma, got Philip Billing, David Brooks. I mean, I don't know what his kind of health um, situation is at the moment. I hopefully we'll see him back next season, David Brooks, because. He's a, a player that I've always been a massive fan of. Uh, Marcus Tavernier, obviously, and Lewis Cook, I think, is a brilliant player. Obviously, Lloyd Kelly. This is my one to watch for Bournemouth, Lloyd Kelly. I think he's a player that's just going to continue to improve. I thought he did brilliant in the, in the Championship last season. I know I don't watch a lot of Championship football, but what I've seen, he does look brilliant. Yeah. 23 years old. I think he's club captain as well. I think I'm right in saying. Mm. So, he'll be interesting to players to keep track of. Obviously, Dominic Solanke as well. I mean, surely one day soon, Dominic Solanke is going to offer a return in the Premier League. The guy has got bags of ability. He has. Like, he's never done it in the Prem, but he keeps doing it in the Championship. He did it throughout all the England youth levels, throughout all the Chelsea youth levels. Hopefully, this might be a season. And if you can get someone like him firing, that's it can keep you up, a player like that. They've also got Kiefer Moore as well. Well, where have you predicted them then, Westy? It's going um, to be a pretty bleak one, I think. You've gone bottom, have you? Yeah. Well, I've gone 19th oh, for Bournemouth. I wonder who's yeah. below that. Yeah, I think you could probably guess, to be to be honest, mate. Yeah, so we've gone Bournemouth for 19th. Hopefully, Bournemouth, you can you can prove us wrong. So now we're going to move on to Brentford. And another interesting prospect heading into the next season. Obviously, they had a great campaign last season. One that kind of started strong. Then they had a, a dip midway through the season. And then Christian Eriksen arrived. And it kind of slowly went back up. And they had a really strong end to the season, actually, Brentford. They um, they ended up finishing 13th, which is really respectable, I think, in their first season. And obviously, they're not a team that spends a lot of money. I think Thomas Frank's doing a brilliant job down there. They play a great brand of football as well. Looking at their transfer window, obviously, I think replacing Ericsson was top of, of their list of things to do. I suppose the only player that you should look at and think that could be that player is that Keen Lewis Potter from Hull. Hmm. I don't know if you know much about Keen Lewis Potter that you could give us some insight on. Not at all. But I'd say no. I do, but no. I think he used to be at Everton, I think. And yeah, I think he's a, used to play I think he used to be a striker and he's kind hmm. of moved back into an attacking midfield role. So yeah, he'll be a player to keep an eye on. Aaron Hickey, they've signed from Bologna, who's a really highly rated. He can play left back, right back. I can ima- I imagine he can play wing back as well. I'm not sure actually. Will they? Will Frank be using him as a wing back? Do you reckon? Yeah, I'd think right wing back. Yeah, I'd imagine so. So yeah, they've made. A, I think Ben Mee as well is a brilliant signing, and they already had kind of a solid um, spine to their squad. Obviously, Mikel Damsgaard is the player that's been linked. I'm not sure if there's been any movement on that. Have you seen anything recently? I'm just going to have a look. So, yeah. Is it getting done? Brentford have had a 16 million bid accepted uh, for Mikael Damsgaard. And he's obviously another Danish international. I think they've got around seven players already there from Denmark. He'll be an interesting prospect. Obviously, he's not a like-for-like replacement for for Ericsson. Ericsson played a little bit deeper. Damsgaard is a versatile player. He can... Play, I think off. I think he's been playing off the left wing. He's been playing with some uh, with Ranieri at Sampdoria. Um, he play off the left, playing the kind of half spaces, and I think he will be an interesting prospect. I think it's just someone to link between the Umbuemo and and Ivan Tony. Yeah, I think that's what they need. Yeah. Um, what What are your thoughts on Brentford heading into next season? Yeah, I think 
I think they're in for another consolidating season. Yeah. Um, I think obviously they've definitely they've got room to improve, and they could definitely definitely progress and do better than they did last season. But I'd see them finishing sort of somewhere. I, I've got them down as finishing fourteenth next season. Right. So just somewhere in that sort of. I think I don't think they'll be pulled into trouble at any point. But yeah, like I <laughs> said. I'm going to contradict myself. I'm going to contradict myself throughout this whole episode. By the way, like I've just started off at Brentford. I've just built them raving up, raving about just them. A look, just a look where I've predicted. You'd them. think they'd be going top four off you. What are you say? I've just, just I've got them in 18th. 18th. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you got them to get relegated. I just have a feeling about them. <laughs> You've got. Them. I just don't think they're prepared very well. What are you on about? You just I've just built about them up them. and talked about how good the signings are. I think Thomas Frank's got a great <laughs> brand of football. I think they're going to do really well. Oh, I've got them down as getting relegated. <laughs> I think it's it's one of them ones where I think you've got to send, do some outlandish shit. Didn't you say you were better prepared for this season's predictions? I just think it's... <laughs> <laughs> God. Not a good start, is it? I can already picture us sitting down next year to do this, just thinking, what on earth was I thinking? Um, yeah, Brentford, I just... It's more the transfer window for me. And I think Ericsson, if you looked at the kind of downward trajectory they were on before Ericsson, I wonder if that's going to start again. And if we look at their fixtures, their opening fixtures, obviously the start away at Leicester, I think it's a really tough one away at us. First game of the season, there's always positive vibes at the, at the King Power. We always get a win. The, clap, the clappers are Brentford, out. Then they're away at Man United. What was that? So the clappers are out. Oh, shut up, mate. Um, then Fulham, they've, they've got Fulham, Everton, Palace. So they have got a few decent fixtures after that, to be fair. But I think Eric, um, I think Ericsson's going to just be a huge loss. And uh, yeah, I've gone Brentford 18. It's a bit of an outlandish shout. But I think if we look at the teams around them, some teams have prepared pretty well. Like if we look at Elite, for example, they have made a lot of signings. And I do think Jesse Marsh probably isn't going to be given that much time. I can just see that with Leeds, I can see him getting sacked and I could see someone new coming in pretty soon and then getting something out of those players. But I suppose we'll get to Leeds. So yeah, Brentford for me in 18. Yeah. Sorry about that. Obviously, ones to watch, I've gone for personal favourite of mine Matthias Jensen I think he's a brilliant player in centre midfield yeah. maybe he could be that uh, Ericsson replacement we'll mm, find not out not sure not sure nah he, he is a great player though I think he, he's definitely got some of the kind of um, attributes that Ericsson offers I think there's a lot of midfielders in that Brentford team that are very good system players but beyond that there's not really they're a little bit lacking maybe have you got anyone that you've you've got your eye on, particularly in Bre- at Brentford? Um, yeah, um, Aaron Hickey. I'd like to yeah really keep a close eye on, see how he progresses, see how how many minutes he gets, and I, think, I mean yeah. the money they spent on him. I'd, I'd assume he's almost becoming as a as a really important player for them. But obviously, it takes yeah. time to adapt and stuff to the Premier League. So, no, I'm looking forward to seeing him. Yeah, definitely, I agree with that. Actually, we'll move on now to Brighton. So obviously, I went I went 18th, and you went where did you go? 13th. Uh, 14th. 14th right we'll move on to Brighton now uh, last season they finished 9th which is actually yeah. the best finish in their history Brighton so obviously the order of the day is to build on that if they can I think that the problem is with the Premier League nowadays when you look up the league for a team like Brighton that seems to be almost like the, yeah. the, Where else the can bar you go? really how much further can you go but I suppose it's just staying there 
they haven't done too much to ensure that they will stay there, if I'm honest, looking at their transfer window. Julio Enciso from Club Libertad, Paraguayan. He's a youngster. We probably won't be seeing much of him this season. Be interesting if we do. Then Simon Adingra from Nordsjyland. I'm not sure if you know anything about him, Westy. No. And then Benicio Baker Bote from Porto. Yeah, so I don't know much about him. Obviously, the big one for them is Basuma has left for 25 million. And as today, as of today or yesterday, Mark Cucurella has joined Chelsea for fifty-two million pounds. Or has and he? Levi, he, I think he is. Oh, I think Fabrizio is getting tagged with the fraud. The fraud. Well, that tag, was wasn't yesterday, he? wasn't it? Yeah. I think today it's. I'm. I'm pretty sure it's happening. I'm pretty sure. I think. I think it's got to happen. Surely. I mean, let's have a look. What's the latest? Right. So yeah. So Mark Cucurella is going to Chelsea. We pretty much know that. And. Levi Colwell, a very highly rated centre-back, young centre-back, is going to go to Brighton. Not as part of the deal, but I think it's just you scratch my back, we'll scratch yours kind of thing. I think they've got a buyback option of around £40 Chelsea for Levi Colwell. So, Westy, what are you thinking about Brighton? Are you? Do you think Pursum is going to be that yeah. big of a miss for them? I think it'll be a big loss. But they have also got that Moses Caicedo coming through. And he obviously mm. scored against United at the back end of last season. Looks a really good player. And yeah, I, I think there's a lack of incomings is alarming. I think Kukure yeah. would be a big loss. But obviously, they've only had him for a year. So it's not like it's they're going to have to adapt to losing a player that they've had as a sort of cornerstone in their team for years. And I, thought, I think it's also important to say that they will it, they will replace Cucurella. And I think Angelino is a name that I've seen linked. Yeah, that would be a really smart signing. Um, yeah, it's been a slow summer. But I think, I think they'll, naturally, I think they'll be fine in the grain potter. I think he's got enough sort of knowledge, know-how of the league now and his players and the system that they play to sort of... It, they're never going to be in, in trouble in the grain potter, I don't think. And no. I think I have got Brighton Downs finishing in 12th. Respectable, respectable yeah, finish. I've gone eleventh, so we're pretty much in agreement on that one. I think Brighton again. Like I just echo everything you say. Really, I think Graham Potter for me as a Leicester fan. I love Brendan Rodgers, but if we ever, if Brendan Rodgers ever left for whatever reason, Graham Potter would be first on my list. He'd actually be very high on my list to be England manager. If I'm honest, I think he's a brilliant manager and. Yeah, Brighton plays such a great brand of football. I know that's it's almost a curse now, me saying you play a great brand of football. Yeah, have you got um, him down as finishing 19th? <laughs> <laughs> no, I've gone 11th, mate, so it doesn't really work. Um, anyway, to ones to watch. I've gone for Dennis Undav. Obviously, Neil Mope has left, hasn't he, Brighton? Or has leaving. he? I think he is leaving. Really? A... Yeah. I didn't know that. You didn't know that? No, that's changed, he, changed I... everything for me. Well, regardless of whether Neil Mopé leaves, I don't think he's that brilliant and he's never done that well for... Let me have a look. Right, I don't... Maybe it's not as... Um, maybe it's not as... I think uh, one... I can't remember who it was with, but uh, it's a Serie A team. Salernatina. Salernatina, yeah. Salernatana. So they, they've been interested in for a while. Maybe that won't get over the line because that's been... There's been kind of rustlings about that for a long time now. Yeah, so... Yeah, so Dennis Sundav, obviously, Brighton for years now have ranked very high in terms of expected goals and they've never really offer, offered like a they've never really paralleled that like with their their goal scoring they've just not their conversion rate just hasn't been there Dennis Sundav obviously there's a new signing 
I think there's some play, some people do really highly rate him, and I think it'll be someone to keep an eye on to see whether if a striker can, can come in and score goals for Brighton, they will score goals. Like they get chances. Brighton strikers get chances. They just need someone that's that's gonna finish their dinner. I mean, Mope, I've I don't think I've ever seen a player or a striker that's just so lacking in front of goal. Yeah. He gets so many chances. I remember it at the King Power last season. The guy had so many chances to score and he just, he just couldn't finish his dinner. I think another player to watch for me is Alexis McAllister. Obviously, Westy knows my, we my how highly I rate Alex, Alexis McAllister. I think he's a brilliant player. I think he's someone to keep an eye on for everyone. And then I, I, I also listed uh, Moises Saicedo. And like you said, he came into the team last season. I think he is that Basuma replacement, isn't he, really? Ready-made. Slot straight in. Yeah, I like him. I like him a lot. Yeah. Right, so we've gone. I've gone. Uh, I've gone eleventh. Westy's gone twelfth. Or we'll move on now to Chelsea. One of the big boys, obviously, Lukaku's gone. One of the most bizarre transfer debacles of all time. Antonio Rudiger's gone to Real Madrid. Andreas Christensen's gone to Barcelona. Danny Drinkwater's been released. That'll be a big loss. Um. Obviously, looking at incomings, Raheem Sterling's coming from Manchester City, 47 million. Obviously, you'd look at that and think, yeah, that's a sensible sensible player. They needed goals, they need consistency in attack. That was a massive issue for them last season. I think aside from Mount, no one really offered any kind of consistency to Tuchel in an attacking sense. They obviously signed Kalidou Koulibaly to try and combat all the defenders that they've had leave, which is obviously really important because they play a free-at-the-back system. Then aside from that, there's not really a signing that's going to slot straight in. Gabriel Slanina is a, an interesting one from Chicago Fire. Really highly rated goalkeeper, but he's going back on loan to Chicago. So at the minute, it's just Sterling and Koulibaly and obviously Kukurella as well, if subject to confirmation. Have Tuchel and Chelsea, have they replaced the players that have left sufficiently, would you say? Uh, probably not yet. I think they're still time and I think they probably will do. Um, I think you can always sort of rely on Chelsea to to eventually get it done in the transfer market when they really need to, but mm. I suppose we are sort of going off past history under a under a different regime. Mm. Um, Bowley, I mean, I'm not sure. I think he's his naivety sort of caught caught him out a bit this summer. Yeah, uh, but obviously he seems like a, quite a stubborn bloke. He likes to take take uh, control of everything. Obviously, is the sporting director role. He he took over that as well, and he wants to handle the transfers. And I think that's where we've seen sort of the Rafinha deal, the Jules Kunde deal. They've been tipped by other people like Barcelona to them deals, and yeah, it just it's just a bit of a. It must be frustrating, really, when there's a guy that's come in and he's trying to do it all himself. And you, I mean, you can sort of it's sort of commendable in a way. You've you've got to take your hat off and say, well done. He's you know what he's trying to put a new culture in there maybe and he's trying mm. to do it all himself but I think it's just going to let them down the, his stubbornness and his sort of his insistence he's always acting off in like insecurity almost like he's yeah. been kind of embarrassed hasn't he a little bit in the transfer window I mean Barcelona have just got everyone on strings when they're seemingly yeah. just in a position of just precarity yeah well um, they're now in talks this morning Fabrizio put out they're in talks with Aubameyang yeah, that'd be such a weird, weird transfer. Because man. yeah, Aubameyang isn't the the player he was. They do that, not want Aubameyang, man. I mean, the fact that they, yeah, like they're 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 all over Aubameyang, but you know, you'd have thought they could have had Ronaldo, maybe. 
Well, I did see a rumour that they might go back in for Ronaldo. Mm. I don't think it happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think it's... I think it's ridiculous with Ronaldo that someone like a, a Tuchel wouldn't want Ronaldo. I think it's just... It's just arrogance, in my opinion. I think it's like... It's just one that he wants to be just a bit trendy, I think. Just a bit different. Maybe like, maybe it's Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, maybe, maybe he doesn't want that type of personality in ego in his dressing room sort of mm-hmm. trying to yeah. you know it's a it's a big big uh... yeah we well obviously if we look at um, Chelsea's the end to their season obviously it wasn't a great end though. so they lost 4-2 to Arsenal then they they beat West Ham but they had a red card West Ham and then they drew with you <clears throat> they lost to Everton drew with Wolves um, then they they beat Leeds, but there's no no nothing to be commended about really. And then they drew against us, and then they beat Watford. I mean, it wasn't a brilliant end to the season for Chelsea. They've not had a great preseason either. I mean, it, I don't know how much you want to read into that Arsenal that four 0 loss. Obviously, like you said, they will probably bring in more players. I just think the thing that's dangerous for the rest of the footballing world or the rest of the Premier League at least is that I f- I feel Bowley is. He's trying to save face, like he's trying to claw back some credibility. So I reckon he's just gonna spend big, and that's what worries me about Fafana. Is that I just think he's gonna want to get the Chelsea back fans back on side. He's he's feeling a bit insecure because of the Abramovich situation, and we've said it before. Abramovich, he's he was in terms of success. There's no denying the success he had at Chelsea, and he was he. I, I don't know whether it was him that made the decision directly, but the people he had employed made very shrewd decisions with Chelsea. Obviously, there's there's debates around the way they're run as a club, but no one can deny their kind of trophies and honours and what they've won over the years. That's what concerns me. That could be looked as a positive or negative in terms of, yeah, he might get his checkbook out now and sign a load of players, but they might not be the right players. There are question marks around. like Someone like Sterling, for example... I mean, that to be fair, I think that's unfair to say there's question marks around Sterling. You probably can't get a more guaranteed player really looking back at his resume Koulibaly will be an interesting one I'm not sure I think the I think the big cost for, for Chelsea will be that defence and they need numbers at the back otherwise I think Tuchel's going to have to go four at the back with the amount of defenders they've got and they've still got players going out the door as well Milan Sars men will be going out on loan obviously Levi Colwell's leaving like I think for I think they they've prepared for Fafana to be there personally mm, be interesting to see what happens my ones to watch for Chelsea or one to watch would be Conor Gallagher obviously returning on loan well was on loan last season at at Crystal Palace he's returned he's part of Tuchel's plans it'd be interesting to see I can't see him starting from day one Um, although I do think I do like the double pivot of Kante and and Conor Gallagher I think that could work pretty nicely how do you view his upcoming season Conor Gallagher do you see him pushing himself into into Tuchel's plans um I'm not sure he'll have to wait and see I'm not, I'm not I don't think he'll like I said I don't think he'll be in from the start and I don't see him being a big part of Chelsea's plans this season but they've got enough games to play in all the competitions for for him to to get a chance and hopefully for him he can take it and you know mm. like you say there was players in the midfield at Chelsea and going forward in the forward line last year there are a lot of them who haven't taken their their chance by two hands, so he's got a chance to do that. I think the thing that he's got on his side is that Chelsea did need a player like Conor Gallagher 
they did. Like going into this summer, they needed a player that's a box to box. It's going to link defence and attack. And that's what I like about Gallagher. He is that hybrid role, that hybrid player that everyone keeps talking about. The kind of Kean and Jewsbury Hall, the kind of Jacob Ramsey style player that can attack, they can press, but they also know when to sit in, hold their position. And yeah, we'll be interested to see. Right, where have we put Chelsea then headed into next season? I've gone for fifth. I've gone for sixth. Nice. Mm, I yeah, I just think the transfer window, I think it could cost them. I think there's a lot of unanswered or maybe not unanswered questions. Well, there's just a lot of questions around Tuchel, around Chelsea. It does have a sense that maybe his kind of honeymoon period's over with Chelsea. And how many times have we seen it with managers where that is? Is it third season? Are we in third season? Yeah, well, second full season, obviously, he did it, He did six months, five, six months right. when he come in and win the Champions League, so... So we are going into like third season syndrome and we know what happens there with Chelsea and their players. Obviously, it'd be interesting. There is a new crop of players now than the ones before that were seen to down tools for managers. Again, it is kind of an Arsenal situation where, yeah, the, the kind of that positive feeling from the winning the Champions League has gone now. It's now time to turn turn their attention. And I think Chelsea fans, they, they can... They allow for one season, like a bad season, where they don't win anything. But then they expect the next season to come back and be right within the within the fight. Yeah. So yeah, I've gone sixth, you've gone fifth, did you say? Yeah. Right. Yeah, we're probably going to have to go a bit quicker, aren't we? Oh, yeah, I think, <laughs> we've, done, I think Palace, we've, done, we've done six teams in about oh 40 God, minutes. Yeah, we're really going to try and go through them quickly. Obviously, it's hard because we want to give you the best content and want to keep it natural. And we have a lot to say about all these teams. But yeah, we're going to can't fly through these ones now Crystal Palace um, obviously let's have a look at their transfer window there's some some name, interesting names there's in there. a, the one to watch for me this season is yeah. Malcolm Eberwey who if, if I'm saying it wrong obviously someone can correct me but they signed him yeah. from Derby I think they beat Man United to his signature actually Man United were really in for him this summer obviously yeah. I think him choosing Palace is definitely a better career move for himself at this moment than joining Man United and probably perhaps playing in the twenty threes. But I saw him in pre season against United in Australia and he was really, really bright, twisting players up inside out. He was really good. What, what position are we saying? Winger. Um, he played. He, he can be. He's a striker, but he was playing on the. He can play on the wing. I think he could play all across the front three. But he was playing on the. Yeah, he was playing as a sort of a right forward with two forwards. Yeah. Him and I, right. you, I think. He was playing on that right side, cutting in, and he, he looks really dangerous. Yeah, I think that's a really wise move going to Palace as well because that striker position, it's up for grabs there. They've yeah, obviously got Edward, they've got Mateta, they've got Ayu as well, and none of them have been free scoring, let's no. say. So it'd be interesting to see if he pushes his way into the team. You'd imagine if he's not going Man United, you'd imagine he's been given assurances that he's going to be given chances this season. Czech Decore is another player they've signed from RC Lens. Mm. I think... He's he's a, a CDM. I think he's. I think there's a lot of people talking about him, talking yeah. about him being a good signing. So it'd be interesting to see what he can do. I think they've been in need of a centre, a defensive mid for a while. To be honest, I think ever since like Yedinak left, um, yeah. they've like they've had like Kiyate. They've had obviously Milayevic, Milayevic, um, yeah, yeah. So they've. I think it'd be good to to kind of sort that position out. And mm. yeah, I've I'm I'm kind of optimistic about Palace next season 
Obviously, yeah. they've not really seen... Obviously, last summer, before last season, they got rid of loads of players and everyone was worried about it. This season, Martin Kelly's the only kind of senior player that you'd say is left. He, he's, um, Patrick Vieira's retained his squad. And I think is Czech Coyote left? He's not on the confirmed list. He might have left or he mm. might be leaving. I'll have a look. To be honest, though, I've seen... People have complaining about Czech Kayate for a while. I'm not sure if he's at the level anymore. Yeah, so I, I think it, by what I'm seeing, I'm not seeing anything about him. We'll keep an eye on that one, but I don't think it'll be a particularly costly <laughs> if Czech Kayate leaves. Um, yeah, big one to keep an eye on. <laughs> yeah. His, his next move. <laughs> <laughs> we'll all be on the edge of our seats watching that. Where have you put Crystal Palace then going into next season? I've gone for them to finish 11th. Well, I've got yeah. 10th. Nice. Yeah, so Close. we're in agreement over these teams. The Palaces, yeah. the, the Brighton's. One, one place in between us. Mm, I think Palace, I think they will just build on last season. And if that guy, the Eb, uh, at risk of saying it wrong again, Eboy, um, I think if he can come in and offer another, something else in attack, then you've got you've now got, then you'd have Zaha, you'd have Elise, you'd have him. I think they're an exciting team. Palace and obviously they've still got the Anderson and Gwehi at centre back they've got Tyreek Mitchell at left back Sam Johnston as well we haven't spoke about I think he's a great signing in goal Chris Richards from Bayern Munich do you know much about him I've seen people waxing lyrical um, yeah he's, he's he's decent he was on loan at Hoffenheim last season yeah um, but I've not watched him loads he's definitely right. a good addition though yeah a player to keep an eye on who would your player to watch be for Crystal Palace, mine would be Czech Decore from RC Lens. I think he's, yeah, he'd be an interesting player to see what he can offer. Mine's definitely a boy, so yeah. Yeah. Do you think Gallagher is going to be a big loss to them? Um, no. No. I don't think You so. don't. I'm not getting a vibe that you really rate Conor Gallagher. No, no I like him. He's, he's an industrious player. I like him. He right. can do a bit of everything, but yeah. I'm not massively keen on him, to be fair. Right, right. Well, we'll move on to Everton. Obviously, a really disappointing season last season for Everton. It's been a disappointing few years for Everton fans in general. They needed a they needed a, an overhaul in the summer, yeah. but again, Frank Lampard is paying the price for the mistakes that his predecessors made before him. James James Tarkovsky up until about a week ago was the only player they brought in on a free from Burnley. I think it's a great signing and I think a lot of managers around the league would have been looking at that enviously. I'm a fan that was looking at it enviously. I would have loved him at Leicester. They've signed Ruben Vinagre from Sporting, obviously previously uh, of Wolves. I've seen differing kind of opinions about Ruben Vinagre. I don't think he did particularly well at Wolves, did he? No. Obviously, then you've got, and he's also a fullback, so the change, I'm not sure the impact he's going to have. Then Dwight McNeil, uh, he's their big money signing, 20 million from Brentford, Brentford from Burnley. Last season, I think he got a grand total of one goal and zero assists. So we'll see how he does this season. Obviously, outgoings as well. Richarlison is a big loss, 50 million pounds. Whatever your opinions are on Richarlison, he was huge for Everton. He was huge for them staying up last season. He was a player that stepped up when he was needed. He kind of embodied Everton as a club. And that no doubt hurt, hurts for, for Everton. Do you think he'll be a big loss for Everton? And can you see any positives going into next season? Um, yeah, I think he'll be a big loss. Um, 
I think when they really needed a goal in the big games, I think if you remember the games against sort of like Chelsea at the back end of last season when they were sort yeah. of in need of three points, he was a player that came through and and stepped up. Obviously, he's inconsistent, but the good thing about him when he was at Everton is he always seemed to have his inconsistent games sort of in the in the games that didn't really obviously every game matters and every game certainly matched for Everton last season, but he did seem to step up in the in the games where it mattered. So it is yeah. going to be a big loss. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not really... I think it could get really ugly for Everton if they start badly. And I, yeah. and I'm going to... I'm going to... I'd be surprised if Lampard makes it past October. Yeah, that's that's me being harsh, but I, I can't see any way how they get out. And I've... I just know, looking at them in pre-season as well, I mean, they got, they've been battered. They got, I think they lost 3-0 to Charlotte whatever they are in, yeah. in in America. I don't think the Minnesota United. Yeah. I think I think Frank Lampard, I don't think the players I don't think he sort of I don't think the players have bought into what he wants to do. And I think you saw that last season, even in the back end of last season when they finished strongly, I think that was all down to just a load of adrenaline and the fans getting behind them in them games. And I think mm. it was it was still a, if you actually watch the games and the way they approached them, it was still very sort of a scattergun approach from Lampard and I just yeah. don't, I just don't see how I, I just, Lampard is a as a top level manager. I just don't see it at all. Just don't I just don't it. think he's making the right career decisions either. No, I mean that Everton was a terrible. Is, I mean, look, you'd have to be like, who would go decision. into Everton and, and sort that mess out? Like, how on earth do you do that? How do you go about it? And the problem he's got is obviously the um, the owners or the the fans want them to play a certain brand of football. They want hmm. them to play attacking football. Blah, blah, blah. The only way he saves his, his bacon is by just playing a really dull and pragmatic style of play, which he did start to bring in near the end of the season and then play to the strengths of Dominic Carver-Lewin, for example. So what were you going to say? Um, I, I remember him saying on, on an overlap episode that he turned down really loads of good opportunities last summer and stuff and we're waiting for the right one and I'm not sure I'm not sure how you can say waiting for Everton is the right one especially mm. in their position but you know fair enough if he, if he does well he does well but I can't see it the thing is Everton are a brilliant club and managing Everton say five or so years ago would have been the perfect move for Lampard but the position they're in I mean I'm going to surprise people I've not actually put them to go down I haven't I do think when you look at their squad it's still not a relegation squad if you go through it, I mean, they are really, really light up front. Like, a striker has to be signed. I'm not sure who it's going to be. Is it going to be Batshuayi? Have you seen any mm, developments? Bro, I think Broya could Bro, be yeah. nice. So, I do think Broya would be a really good signing for them. Um, if you go through their squads, like, some of the players they've got, they're just not relegation fodder players. I mean, Deli Ali. I, I thought Deli Ali was starting to show some signs last season. I'll be keeping an eye on this season. Abdullah Decore, brilliant player. Andre Gomez, former Barcelona player. McNeil, I think, is a good signing. I think he will offer something. Anthony Gordon is my one to watch for Everton. I think he's absolutely brilliant, Anthony Gordon. I think he's got an absolutely unbelievable future ahead of him. And if I was Everton fans, that would be... All my uh, uh, optimism would be attached to Anthony Gordon. He's brilliant. And and Lampard needs to play to his strengths. He needs to fit Dominic Calvert-Lewin or Salomon Rondon, play him up front... Just get Anthony Gordon down the line, McNeil down the other, or Gray maybe, and just get balls into the box. That's that's the way. Up. The possession or no um, percentage football is how Lampard's going to keep Everton afloat this season. 
just keep putting the ball in the same area and hope a goal comes. Then you look through the team. Obviously, defensively they are really weak. Like there's no, there's no like um, good way of looking at it. Really, I mean, Seamus Coleman is is their only right back. Really, they've got Nathan Patterson who's been playing in pre season, but he's very young. And I can't imagine Lampard will be trusting him with the first team spot. Yeah, it looks bleak. I'm gonna go sixteenth for Everton. I've got him down as seventeenth. Right. Yeah. So, actually, you know what? I'm I'm gonna. Oh no, I won't change it now. I was gonna. I'll just. I'm looking at a team that I've put below. I'm gonna. Right. We'll go. Yeah, I've got Everton sixteenth. Yeah. Right. We're on to Fulham now. Sorry, guys. We have to really hurry up here. We're taking way too long. Right. Fulham. I've gone bottom of the table for Fulham. Is there any other reason to think that they won't think that finished there, Westy? Yeah, Bournemouth. Right. I've gone so 19th think... for Fulham. Right. Yeah. yeah, looking at Fulham, again, it's kind of a... Well, the, the only thing that they have actually got on their side is they have actually signed some players. Um, Kevin and Babu, I think, is a good signing from Wolfsburg. Jao Paulinho would be my player to watch for them, alongside also um, Harry Wilson and, and Mitrovic. I just think... If those two can get firing like they were in the championship, Mitrovic surely it's like a Solanke situation. Like, just offer something in the Premier League. Mm. I think if it doesn't work this season, you he has to move. Like it's obviously Fulham. It's the team that's not working for him, and he's not getting the service that he needs. But Shao Paulinho from Sporting is a really interesting signing. I know Wolves really wanted him, but Marcus Silva managed to bring him round. Marco Silva himself doesn't convince me as a Premier League manager. I don't think he's ever really achieved anything in the Premier League. Fabio Carvalho has left and gone to Liverpool and he was a really important player. And they've lost a lot of players, Fulham. They've sold a lot of players or just released a lot of players. Like Jean-Michael Serry has gone. Alfie Mawson, centre-half's gone. There's a lot of players there that I don't know. They've signed um, Andres Pereira as well, haven't they? Yeah, they have signed Andres Pereira, but... I'm not, not convinced. No, he's all. not going to. He certainly won't <laughs> set the yeah. world alight. So, yeah, we've gone 20th. I've gone 20th, and Wesley's gone 19th there. We're moving on now to Leeds. Obviously, ended up finishing last season in 17th. Three points uh, adrift of safety or above safety. Um, yeah, Leeds, really active in the transfer window. Brendan Aronson from RB Salzburg. 25 million. Rasmus Christensen, also from Salzburg, for 10 million. He's a fullback. Mark Roker and Tyler Adams to strengthen the midfield. Then Lewis Sinistera, he's my player to watch for Leeds this season. Come from Feyenoord. Obviously, I don't want to be a highlight merchant, but I've seen some pretty electric highlights of Sinistera. <laughs> and I think he's going to be an interesting player to watch. Don't know why I've got a laugh out of that. Uh, Sonny Perkins from West Ham, highly rated young player. He's gone to Leeds as well. Obviously, Calvin Phillips and Rafinha are the marquee outgoings, if that's a thing. Calvin Phillips to Manchester City, Rafinha to Barcelona. Big losses for them, those two players. Obviously, key in keeping them up last season, Rafinha particularly. Can you, yeah, what what are we thinking when we look at Leeds? I've gone 13 for Leeds. Right. Yeah, I think Any I, like, I, I quite like Jesse Marsh. I think he's got him going in the right direction. I think his positivity is really refreshing. Yeah. I feel like he's got a good... I don't know personally, obviously, but I've, it looks to him from the outside like he's got a really good man management style. 
keeps the players on side well and yeah I think some of the signings are quite quite are quite good signings and he's sort of filled the gaps that he needs to fill and especially in that mm. midfield he's brought reinforcements in which is for for a team like Leeds in the way they want to play it's it's crucial to have a lot of depth in midfield because it's obviously he's so fast paced and stuff it, not even mm. we're not talking about Bielsa but Jesse Marsh's style is similar as well so yeah. Yeah, I think I think they're going to do okay this season. I think they've got far too good of a squad to sort of go down or be in trouble. Mm. I think last season was a bit of a freak with all the injuries they had and stuff. So I think mm. they'll be okay, Leeds. I think losing two players, the, the the kind of seniority, if that's for want of a better word, of Rafinha and Calvin Phillips is is a huge loss. Um, I think what it does to you when you're lining up and you've got two players like that in your team, it just gives you that boost doesn't it mm. obviously Patrick Bamford I think he's looking like he's fit heading into next season which is huge if they can keep Bamford fit he could yeah I think he's a he's a top player Bamford and if he can start goal, scoring goals he's massive to a team like Leeds I've gone 17th for Leeds yeah I'm 13 I like yeah I like Marsh as well but I'm just not convinced if I'm honest um I just yeah, I'm just not convinced, and I think there's a lot of players there that he's obviously gone for players that have got he's got links to back in the day, or I don't know, there's USA internationals, there's people from the the Red Bull group, both Leipzig and Salzburg, who obviously had links with he well he managed Leipzig. They've just very unproven. I mean, I've heard good things about this Brendan Aronson in preseason, so it'll be interesting to see how he does. Obviously, we don't really know how he's going to set up either. Jesse Marsh. Obviously, last season it was kind of a four-two-three-one, a bit more of a rigid system than than Bielsa, but still pressing, but just like, like kind of less extreme and less focus on the man marking. Obviously, centre midfield will be really important. I don't know how much if you know much about Mark Roker. Obviously, Tyler Adams, he's kind of broke out in America. I think playing for New York, one of the New York teams, maybe. And he's was really highly rated. Didn't have a brilliant time at Leipzig. I think it was kind of kept out of the team by Lamer and and players mm. like that. So that would be an interesting player. He cost them twenty million as well, Tyler Adams. He's still young. I think that'll just be really important to their success next season, though. That's defensive midfield position. Right, we'll move on now to my team, Leicester City. Obviously, I imagine people expect me to be a little bit downhearted, but actually. I'm of the Leicester fan, where or of the opinion that Leicester should be. We should still be optimistic going into next can, season. Personally, can you, can you just can you just read out the transfers? Yeah, right. We're going through them now. Um, Probably need a couple of pages. I, I think this must be broken. This says it says we haven't signed anyone. <laughs> Can't be right. But yes, it is right. Leicester City have signed no players. The only team in. All of I think all of Europe I think it's yeah. like top. the top eight leagues or something now yeah um, yeah it's it's a peculiar situation I think Leicester fans we're used to now being the odd one out really in a positive sense and a negative sense we always just seem to we I don't know we like to be in the headlines for some for one reason or the other and it's never normal it's never yeah I think the jeopardy of being a football fan is in many ways the best part of it. And we can't deny that we've had a lot of that with with Leicester, but we've had a lot of positives as well over the years. And I genuinely believe we're in a better position than last season heading into this season. I think people forget that we've got a young squad 
that are only getting better. So next season, we're going to see the best Harvey Barnes. We're going to see the best James Madison. We're going to see the best James Justin we've seen. We're going to see the best Kane and Jewsbury Hall. These players are all getting better. Casper Schmeichel leaving is a shame. Don't get me wrong. He's a legend of the club. I don't. I didn't want to see him go, but it was going to happen sooner rather than later. Obviously, the timing of it's not ideal, and it's a confusing one, really. If he wanted to leave, could he have not left at least a week ago, maybe two weeks ago, give us a chance to get us a goalkeeper in? It looks like we're going to be sticking with either Iverson or Ward. Now, Leicester fans, a lot of Leicester fans I'm seeing are kind of having a meltdown about this, but personally, I trust Rodgers. He's obviously seen him a lot in training. Mike Stowell has been at the club for, for God knows how long, 20-odd years or something. He knows a keeper when he sees one, and he'll be in Rodgers' ear. And if Ward and Iverson weren't up to it, he would say. Yeah. Mate, I just hope we're not being forced into it by yeah, not yeah. being able to, to sign players, which appears to be down to our wage structure, which is understandable. We've got players like Bertrand and Vestergaard earning north of 80 grand a week, and they're not even playing. So... Yeah, I, I mean, from a, an unbiased perspective, what are you thinking? Let us know where you've put us as well. I think your base eleven's good, uh, really yeah. good actually. I think it's probably one of the best outside of the. Well, yeah, it definitely rivals some of them in, that are in the top six. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think you just uh, just depth is what you lack. I think you just yeah. need that sort of. When you look at the bench in a game where you're maybe losing or you're drawing and you're looking for a winner or something later on, you need a bit of inspiration off the bench. I think that's what you lacked last season. Um, I think you you're crying out for sort of like a out and out right winger, but obviously, like mm. say, you've got players that can play there, so it's not it's not like the be all and end all if you don't get it. But mm. yeah, I just think you've got to add a couple of players into onto sort of that, that can that can provide depth, and I, I think you'll be okay. And I, I've got Leicester down as finishing in ninth. Yeah, well, I've gone I've gone a bit more optimistic actually. I've gone seventh, um, and. I think if we're looking at squads, like the first team squads, I think we genuinely are. We're seventh place. If not, like we could rank it. Like I could make an argument for teams above that. But if we're being realistic, seventh is probably where our squad is. I get it with depth. I agree. I think there's definitely positions that we need strengthen. I think I would have liked to have seen another centre-back just to avoid what happened last season happening again. Yeah, right winger would be nice. But then obviously, I think... Dennis Pratt's come back from Torino on loan and he's looked really sharp and I think if he left and Tielemans left we would need to sign a centre midfielder but if they both stay I'm pretty happy in the midfield. I think one thing people are forgetting or a big thing people are forgetting is, is the lack of European football. Last season we went a long way in Europe and also with the way it works with with the Europa League and now coming down to the Conference League we had to play like a qualifier then or like a playoff to get into the Conference League. That's another two games probably added on about 10 or 15 games last season being in Europe so it is a massive kind of weight taken off the players a massive burden and I just don't think we need to be really negative I don't know why we're so negative as as a fan base sometimes and I'm not saying it's everyone obviously it's the people that's it's only the really the vocal ones on Twitter they're the work like the kind of the yeah, like you know the kind of fans you see on Twitter. It's kind of the ones that are really like exaggerating a situation. But I think there's reason to be optimistic. I mean, yeah, I've, well, I've gone seventh. I could spend all day talking about Leicester. Um, hopefully, some signings will be brought in before the end of the window. I'm not optimistic, but you never know. You never know. Right, 
moving on from Leicester. So, I uh, so well for me actually, one to watch. Let's go for a one to watch for Leicester. For me, I think it's a no-brainer. Like Kin and Dewsbury Hall, rival fans watching, fans out outside of, or just yeah, fa- fan Premier League fans or anyone really, fans of football. This is, you need to be watching this guy, Kin and Dewsbury Hall. He's a brilliant, brilliant player. He's going to go a long way, and I hopefully he does that in a Leicester shirt for the rest of his career. I'm hoping anyway. But also Will Alves as well. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, he's a player we all need to be watching next season. Um, yeah. Whether make, that's make, in the under-20 Yeah, make or... sure you get your LCFC TV subscription because the only place you'll be watching him <laughs> is the FAU show. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. That's a bit harsh. But yeah, Will Alves, brilliant, brilliant young talent. Um, yeah. We'll move on now to Liverpool. Obviously, second place last season. Through no, no fault of their own, really. Just really, like they just kind of left themselves too much to do, and City obviously a city. We're looking at transfers. Obviously, Darwin Nunes has arrived from Benfica, kind of a replacement for Mane, and to offer them more of a a clear spearhead up front. Fabio Carvalho from Fulham, who is my, actually my player to watch for Liverpool this season. Um, we're not gonna, we've yet to be seen how much game time he's going to get. But I think he's an interesting talent. Obviously, they've also signed Calvin Ramsey from Aberdeen. Do you think they needed to sign anyone more than this? I think they. I think they lack in midfield. I think they've obviously got good players in there. Obviously, people like Thiago Henderson, all players that have been there and done it and and mm. won won a lot. But I think they just need a bit more depth in there and maybe a bit more youthfulness in there. Maybe a, yep. an injection of. Obviously, it's a move that would never happen this summer. It could happen maybe next summer, but someone I think like Jude Bellingham would be perfect for Liverpool. The way they play football, there, the intensity they play at, and obviously, it's hypothetical because it was never going to happen this season. He wouldn't have left Dortmund, but yeah, I just think they could do with maybe just that one more player added in midfield just to provide them with some depth and a bit more of a bit more buzz, yeah. buzz in there. But no, I think they'll be fine, and I think they always, ever people do always come in and sort of. At the start of every season, question how they're going to be, how they're going to fare, and yeah, they're, they're normally okay. I think when you've got Jurgen Klopp as your manager, you, you're always going to be there or thereabouts. Yeah, I think like I kind of echo everything you're saying. Really, I agree with the midfield. I think there's a lot of players that are on the cusp of of being really good and being like a, a starting players and players that Klopp will trust. I think if we're looking at the Curtis Jones, Harvey Elliotts, it's a big season for them. And I think it's, I wouldn't say now or never, but it is getting to the point where, less so with Harvey Elliott maybe, but more so with Jones. He's had a lot of experience down the first team. I think it's time for him to start being pushing to be in that starting, those starting roles or at least being in the conversation. Because it does still have a sense that when he plays, not so much a downgrade, but just more of like, downgrade in terms of his experience and maybe his reliability, shall we say. Yeah. And, I think that's what Klopp's kind of relying on is his ability to develop players. We've seen it time in, time out. And I think Harvey Elliott for me is another one to watch really going for Liverpool this season. And obviously it goes without saying with Darwin Nunes. Just quickly, do you think Nunes is going to make the impact that the cop are hoping? Um yeah, I think he I think it would take time. Um big price tag, I mean, coming from a very a much more or less competitive league, but obviously we saw in the Champions League that he did step up, and especially against Liverpool, he scored a couple of goals home and away. Um, so yeah, I just think Liverpool just got to have patience, but I think Liverpool fans do do have patience with their players, and I think they let them bed in. I think 
it might take him what six months maybe to really get going or he could get going straight away we don't know but he's he's definitely mm. it's, it's definitely a good signing and let's just see how he does I mean they've just got a sort of obviously there's always pressure with a t- price tag of 80 million and you know wearing the wearing the number nine shirt and everything but is it the number nine at Liverpool um, uh, or is that Firmino I think Firmino might have the number nine, yeah. Yeah. I think he's like, is he 20, 27? 27. Yeah, well, yeah. big big shirt to handle, you know. No, no, I think he'll be all right. I just think he needs to just settle in and get yeah. going. So, where have we gone with Liverpool? I've gone second. I've gone second as well. Uh, you could, Liverpool could easily push on and win the league. No, they could. It's, another, it's going to be another season where Man City and Liverpool, I think, are just going to go toe-to-toe. I think when we're looking at squads though and depth, I think maybe Man City still edge it, and I think it's just that mentality they've got. Like I don't know. To, to be honest, like thinking about it now and thinking about the se- the end of the season Liverpool had, there's no reason why Liverpool couldn't win the league. There's no reason why. I mean, Man City are the only reason why really. Yeah. So it's going to be really interesting to see, and hopefully we're in for another incredible title race like we had last season. Yeah. Move on now to Manchester City. Obviously, they've added again to their squad. I mean, the seemingly perfect squad. They've managed to kind of achieve the impossible and improve perfection. Erling Haaland has signed from Borussia Dortmund, sixty-four million pounds. Probably one of the most anticipated signings in in Premier League history. Calvin Phillips has also signed from Leeds. And Stefan Ortega from Amelia Bielefeld, who will be a backup keeper, but I'm told is a pretty admirable player or a good yeah. player. Um, also, obviously, Julian Alvarez has arrived after signing in January. He's now arrived from River Plate and he made an instant impact in the Community Shield. And for me, that is the one to watch for Manchester City this season. I think he could make... The, well, the fact that they were so adamant to not letting him back out on loan I think it tells you how within Pep's Guardi- Pep Guardiola's fa- plans he is. Yeah, do we... Is it more of the same for Manchester City? Yeah, I think so. I mean, just... Yeah, I think the the additions are good. Obviously, they've lost a couple of players. Sterling could be a big loss. I think it's going to take time to adapt without him. Obviously, he was... He was, it was a strange one because City fans, I think they're very divided on Raheem Sterling. But mm. I think uh, when you actually look at the goals he scored and the, his numbers and stuff and the, 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 the magnitude of goals he contributed, he was a really important part of what they did and Guardiola's team. But um, obviously, I think they're a team that you could, they can lose a player or two and they've replaced them and it will be a very seamless transition. And I think, yeah, down to business. And I think it'll be very hard for anyone to stop him again. Yeah, I think Sterling. You can't deny the the numbers really that he he leave, like well he takes with him, and he, he's interesting. Obviously, Pep Guardiola saw him as expendable, and Pep normally knows best, doesn't he? I mean, if you look at their options still, I mean, I didn't like the the combination of um, Mares and Grealish and the Community Shield. I thought they were just a bit too similar almost in the way they play, the way they like to to come short cut inside but I think the view is now obviously the difference is and Pep's tried to say that that the tactics aren't going to change that he's going to play the same way 
but it is it's always going to change things having someone someone a direct focus up front and someone to play off i thought they looked i know they lost against liverpool in the community shield but there were there were kind of glimpses of of what could could happen and the way they could play i think de bruyne's going to play very close to Haaland and just play off him almost and then obviously the the crosses into the box are going to be massive i think for me i think Haaland. i can't not see him doing well in the premier league i think him and Nunes, the chances they both got, I mean, Haaland hitting the bar from about five yards out, and then he had that cross into the box as well, which he should have headed in. And I'm sure if he got the opportunity again, he would head it in. It's just he got those two chances, clear-cut chances against Liverpool. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. what's he going to get when against West Ham first game of the season? See, it's debate around FPL as well. Um, but it's Haaland or Kane, ain't it, really? And mm-hmm. I don't really know who to go, but... Anyway, uh, yeah, so we've both got Man City top of the league, I assume. Yeah. Right. Manchester United. We'll move on to them. Obviously, incomings, we've got Christian Eriksen, Alessandro Martinez from Ajax, Tyrell Malasia from Feyenoord. Is there anyone missing from that list? No, that's that's a three so far, yeah. What are your thoughts as a Manchester United fan? Are you feeling optimistic? Are you, are you not? I know you're always optimistic. Yeah, right? I am feeling optimistic again. You know, <laughs> I think you have to be. I think there's no point in being a football fan if you're not going to be optimistic. And there's, we've been through enough hardship over the last few years to it'd almost be a bit of a, a bit of a sin if I wasn't optimistic over a new manager. I think every manager that comes mm. in, they deserve their fans to be optimistic and. You know, I like Ten Hag from what I've seen already. So he says all the right things. He's doing all the right things at the moment. He seems like he's actually being afforded the authority of a Man United manager that's been missing for years. You know, yeah, um, there's no doubt about it. We need, we need a couple more signings, definitely in midfield. We could do some more depth up front. But, you know, like you say with Leicester as well, there's still three weeks of the window left. There's time and we all know how much can happen, especially in the last week or even the last two, three days of a transfer window. I mean, it's mm. obviously it's more ideal to get your your work done early, but you know, I've just I'm just going into it with a open mind, and no one's expecting him to come in and win as a Premier League in his first season, or even do anything re- remotely special. But all you want to see is improvements on the pitch and improvements off the pitch, and I think we're already seeing that through pre-season. So yeah, I'm just going into it with an open mind and. We hopefully we can just do as well as we can do, you know, and just just give our best. Yeah. All, all I want to see is a team on the pitch that gives hundred percent. There's an idea mm. of how we want to play football, and that's all I'm I'm there for for this season. I just want to see the a, an exciting team. Yeah, if we were going to kind of maybe try to dissect United a little bit more, and if you were to be, I know you're just the most positive football fan I've ever met about their own team, but if you were going to just identify one negative, a potential negative that you think could cost you this season. What do you think it might be? Um, uh, not signing an out and out midfield, holding midfielder really so far. I think that's the. Mm. Seems like the last three or four transfer windows we've been crying out for it, and United they always seem to come through with the signings that we we sort of everyone else wants, and all the other signings that we need. But they never really come through the signing that we actually need. You know what I mean? It's it's mm. sort of they like to sort of bulk up other areas of the pitch without focusing first and foremost. But 
there's obviously method to their madness and they're obviously still got their heart set on Frankie Dion. So you think there is a method to the madness? I hope so. Uh, I'll judge that on September yeah, on September the 1st. I'll judge their meth. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. But you know, really... you've got to, um, also, you've, you've got to give them a chance with the players that have already got as well. I mean, there's good managers. You look at people like Jurgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola. Good managers make average players look like good players and let's just hope he can do that but yeah there's definitely an air of I'm yeah. a little bit alarmed with the business that we've not done so do you want to tell us where you've got United to finish and then I'll go see th- United this is where my optimism comes in but I think United I think people in general when they're approaching this season they're just sort of they're sort of writing us off a little bit too easily I've gone for fourth right yeah and I think that's I too think, ridiculous no I don't think it's too ridiculous and I think uh, with I think the two teams that will challenge us for that fourth spot, Chelsea and Arsenal, I'm not really sold on Arteta, so that's my main reason behind that one. And Chelsea, like you say, neither of us are sold on Chelsea this summer and coming into this season, and Tuchel in particular, the way mm. it looks like a bit of an unhappy camp. So I think maybe United can just capitalise on that. Mm. Yeah, I mean, from my perspective, I think it could go one of two ways. I think... For me, the main thing that United needed to do this summer was just clear out some players and to just ensure that the same kind of negative feeling that crept in last season doesn't come back again. You don't get that deja vu. I think there's certain players at United, I understand giving second chances to some of them. Someone like a Rashford, for example. I understand giving a a, a second chance and it's more for your own back than, than his, like... What you wouldn't want to risk letting go of Rashford and then they go on and find the form that we know they're capable of. But I do think there are certain players that didn't deserve a second chance. And I'm not going to name names. And But I, I just think you could have done with clearing out a few more players, personally. And I also know that you have sold some players, or got rid of some players, gone and released them. When you look at the names that have gone the replacements aren't really there. I mean, we look at, like, it's, it's a huge list of outgoings for United. Henderson, Cavani, Mata, Pogba, Lingard, like, Nemanja Matic. Where's the, like, where's the Matic replacement? Like, well, I know you've, you've, you've already flagged this as an issue about the CDM situation. I just don't understand how they, what, I'm just thinking logically. I mean, McTominay and Fred for another season. Is that going to be it? Is that going to be what's going to happen? Looks like it. Or, or, or unless they've got plans for Martinez to play in there. But you really, when you sign someone for that amount of money, you, you should be playing them in their strong, strongest position, you'd have thought. You'd have put Nemanja Madic and Pogba in your, in your best team, probably, wouldn't you? Hmm. Yeah, but I'm, I mean, Matic is, he was always going to go, you know what I mean? He's. He I know that, but the, you would but just... You would have put them in your best team, on paper. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, probably. And there's no, there's not an obvious replacement for either of them. It just that's just he's looking at it very simplistically. I think Lissandro Martinez looks like a good signing and someone. He's my one to watch for Manchester United this season. I think I'm really interested to see. I think he could kind of revolutionise the centre back position in the Premier League. At least we've not really seen a player like him at a, a big club like United. And if he can do it. 
fair play. I think he, everything I've seen, he looks great. Um, you know my thoughts on Ericsson. I think he's a brilliant player. Whether I think he's a little bit of a luxury player for United and whether I think it's a position that you necessarily needed to strengthen, irrespective of that, he's a good addition. And obviously you need depth. Malasia will be an interesting one. But I'm just not seeing like groundbreaking signings and everything's all your eggs are in in Ten Hag's basket aren't they really Hmm. all the hope for United now is really just is resting on whether Ten Hag can get those players playing like the players and that's that's why you can't really you can't underestimate what United could do this season I for 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 FYI I've got them in um, I've got United in fifth um and I just, when you've got the players that United have got, I know like over year over the years now we've seen them play, and they're kind of standing and their pedigrees kind of gone cascaded and gradually gone down. But a lot of these players were viewed as world class players when you signed them or when they came through your academy, whatever. They were viewed as this at one point, like they did something to earn that kind of status. Yeah, you paid a lot of money for a lot of players that are now viewed as bang average players that aren't good enough for Ten Hag. So Ten Hag can find that thing, whatever they showed previously, whether it was a previous club or previously at Man United, the the sky's the limit, really. Like you've got players like Anthony Martial. Like if you can unlock the potential that he had, that the whole world saw. You never know what he could do. Do you know what I mean? And that's why, yeah, you know, I've gone fifth. I think I think Arsenal and Tottenham are a bit better prepared than United. I think they've got better squads. Maybe not better squads on. Pe- mm, I don't know. There's, I'd have to look into it more deeper to look at the squads, but I think they're just better prepared and have got better. I'm not gonna say better managers, but more more proven maybe. Like mm. in the Premier League, nah, that's I'm probably not the case with Mikel Arteta, but yeah, you know what I'm trying to say. Um, so yeah, fourth and fifth, we've got yeah. Manchester United. Right, we'll move on now to Newcastle. Obviously, was kind of touted to be a a mad window for Newcastle United with a as the word you like to say all the time, a scattergun approach. And it wasn't really that in the end. It's been a kind of a focused effort from them in the transfer window. Obviously, Sven Botman was a, a player that they've wanted for a long time. They've secured that signing, and I'm really just see how, interested to see how he can do. See Matt Target signed permanently. He did really well on loan last season. Nick Pope as well in goal. I think he could be a good signing. Well, I think he will be a good signing. Apart from that, I'm not seeing any first team first teamers that have come in. Do you think Newcastle have have done enough? Um, did you expect them to do more? Uh, yeah, I expected them to do a bit more, but I think I like the style of what they, the 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 way they're sort of approaching it is they're just trying to build slowly and take time. You don't want to rush it. Adding too yeah. many players in is never never really never really works, no matter the size of what club or what you're trying to do or what your goals are. Um, I think yeah. you always see it but you know it's a project and I think obviously Howe's got his way of how he wants to do things and I I'm, I actually quite like the the approach they've taken obviously it'd be ideal for them to maybe get probably two more signings in or maybe one or mm. two at the minimum I think a striker's probably needed a bit of a yeah. someone who can challenge Callum Wilson who's and maybe they could do with a, a big marquee signing a big money signing but no I think the I think they'll do okay and I think it's just next season it's just about improving on last and maybe mm. I think they should be probably should be aiming for top eight a top yeah. eight finish and then you know then you go again next win obviously you've got January window as well to improve on so 
yeah, it's just mm. I think it's just bit by bit improvement. I think you don't want to go hammer and tongs too quickly and yeah. throw loads of cash because then it just disjoints everything from the way structure to the harmony in the dressing room. So I think it's a sensible approach. Yeah, absolutely. I agree that I think a, a striker's key. When you look at the strikers that they've got, obviously Chris Wood not really ever offered like a consistent output. Callum Wilson's a great striker, but his injury record last season was just, it doesn't bode well for the the, cup, the season coming up. And aside from that, there's not really anyone. Um, they need a striker. That's it. They need yeah. to bring a striker in. I think if Bamford was fit, you'd get Bamford, wouldn't you? Like If he'd had a clear bill of health last season, I think you'd get him in. I think he'd be perfect for for Newcastle. I think, obviously, Calvert-Lewin's been listed as a name. Timo Werner, I've even seen it listed as a name on loan. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I don't know who they're going to go for. Well, I, I think, think that they're one of the three clubs in talks of Sesco. Oh, right, are they? So it's Chelsea, United and Newcastle. Mm. And I think so that could... Salzburg striker. I think that could sway his... his um, I think he obviously game time and stuff at his age is so important. I think won't be surprised if the decision he makes is Newcastle. Mm, it'd be a brilliant signing for them from what I've seen people saying about him. So yeah, where have you got Newcastle this season? Um, I've got Newcastle to finish eighth. I've got them in eighth as well. Nice. There you go. I think that's the first one we've done the same. Uh, yeah, I think in terms of ones to watch for, for Newcastle, for me, I think Sven Botman, I'm really interested to see the impact that he has. I think everything I've seen, the highlights, the snippets I've seen playing for Netherlands, I think he looks like a really solid, solid player. And what do they call this? He's got a name they call him. I can't remember what it is. It's like something like the like the monster or something like that, just because mm. of how big he is. I think Bruno Gromerich as well, Like he was so impressive last season in that in the six months after he joined. I can only see him getting better and better. I've seen some clips in pre-season and he looks, yeah, he looks unplayable, Bruno Gromerich. Yeah, in my FBL team. Propel. Yeah, you have. You've gone through him, yeah. yeah. Um, also, yeah, let us know, guys. If you'd like us to integrate some more FPL into the podcast, let us know. Because obviously it can get a bit like jarring, I think. There's a lot of FPL stuff nowadays. We've been we we yeah, we enjoy it ourselves and we're, we're like amateurs really, we're armchair FPL players. But yeah, let us know if that's something you'd like to integrate into the podcasts. We'd be more than willing to do that. We'll move on to Nottingham Forest. Obviously, first time back in the Premier League since I think 1998. I want to say around then they were incidentally Nottingham Forest were actually the they were in the first teams to ever get relegated from the Premier League as we know it, so after it had become the Premier League. Uh, just an interesting fact for you there. Obviously, they've made the most signings out of anyone, this transfer window in Nottingham Forest. I think it's a bit crazy. Like, it obviously, yeah, like it's good to bring in new players. They obviously lost some players, like loan players, James Garner, Jed Spence. Yeah. But do you, obviously, I'll go through some of the names here. Dean Henderson on loan, Ryan Hammond on a free, Taiwo Awanui um, from Union Berlin. Guillaume Biancone from Troyes in France. Well, he's from France. Moussa Niakate from Mainz. He's French. Omar Richards, um, an English defender, I want to say, from Bayern Munich. Neko Williams from Liverpool. Wayne Hennessy, a backup keeper from Burnley. Brandon Aguilera from Costa Rica. 
have Harry Toffolo and Lewis O'Brien both from Huddersfield. Uh, Harry Toffolo is like a fullback slash winger and Lewis O'Brien is a centre midfielder. So he could be viewed as a replacement for Ghana. And then obviously Jesse Lingard is the marquee signing on a free transfer. Obviously previously of Manchester United and now they've also signed Aurel Mangala from Stuttgart. I mean, what do you think of all that, Westy? Uh, No idea, really. Hmm. Uh, no idea how how they'll all fare. Uh, a lot it's of a, signings. It's, like an, it's, an, it's, it's, it's like a science experiment, isn't it? It's really? a bit like a Fulham when they came up last time and they spent hundred million. Yeah. And you know it can work. It could go either one or two ways. But no, I think if everything, I think if the signings are, are what everyone, all, well, what the Forest fans say they are. I mean, I'm sure most of them have probably never watched half of them. <laughs> but they're, they're they're keen to tell everyone that they are great players, so they should mm. they should be brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, I thought you were going to expand on that. Um, yeah, I, one to watch for me is Brendan Johnson. I think he will hit the ground running. I can't see him not doing well in the Premier League. I think he'll do brilliantly. I think someone like a James Garner can is going to be a huge loss. Like someone that just holds anchors that midfield. They've obviously got Ryan Yates in midfield as a player that I really highly rate. I think, yeah, it is like I was saying, it's like a science experiment Steve Cooper's having there at the City ground. And yeah, let's let's see how it pans out. I think he's very hard to predict, really. I think Jesse Lingard's a good signing. Um, where he slots in, I'm not 100% sure whether it'd be on a, like an attacking midfield role or whether it'd be... Maybe, maybe he'll have... I think they play like a free... 3-5-2 is it almost with mm. like Brendan Johnson and another striker up front so maybe you could have you'd have Lingard in the centre mid role already wouldn't you like a kind of a hybrid centre midfielder attacking midfielder yeah um, what, how, are you set, how do you assess that Lingard transfer do you think it's the right move for him do you think he's the right player for Forrest um, yeah I mean I, I, I don't I, I think he should, I personally think he should have gone back to West Ham Mm. I think it just suited him more. I think there was a place there for him in the team, and it's, it was a strange one when I heard the Forest thing. But you know, it's, it'll be interesting to see how it pans out for him. I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I, I don't know what to think about Jesse Lingard really. I think, you are a United fan, so you've you've been a better place to assess yeah. him than anyone else. Well, I just think I'm not. I'm not a huge fan of him. To be fair, I think he's a bit of a. No, I don't know. I don't know. I, don't know what you were to use him, but just a bit of a bit of a mercenary or something, really. Just a bit mm-hmm. of a bit of a bit of a. I don't know. I don't know which what what word I'd use to describe him, but uh, he could do yeah. well for Forest. But no, nah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if yeah. he's worth the money and the sort of the the package that comes with him. Mm. What I would say is, I think Steve Cooper's a really good manager, um, and. There's obviously some scouting has gone into these players. I mean, that sounds ridiculous to say. Obviously, it's been scouting, but like, they've not gone for the the obvious linings. I know there's a few that are, that are proven the players that they knew from the championship, but there's a lot of players I'm seeing here from French league, German leagues, and yeah, yeah. I mean, it's going to be interesting. I mean, strap yourselves in if you're a Forest fan, and it's going to be exciting regardless. I've see, I've gone fourteenth. With Nottingham Forest, where are you putting them? I've gone fifteenth. Right. So yeah, Forest fourteenth. Would you be happy with that? Let us know. 
I think you should be happy with that, really. I think staying in the league is all you can ask for, really, isn't it, at this point? Certainly. Move on now to Southampton. See Ralph Hassenhutel. They've they're kind of there and thereabouts every season, aren't they? In around that kind of they finished fifteenth last season. It's kind of where they they float about, and every season we think, oh, they're going to go down. They have made some signings. Joe Aribo, I think, is the key one from Rangers, and he's the guy that I'm going to be watching for Southampton this season. Gavin Bazanu from Manchester City, twelve million pounds. I think he must be a younger player. I've heard the name, but I don't know much about him. They've also got Romeo Lavia from Manchester City as well. Then they've got, I mean, Seku Mara from Bordeaux. I don't know if you might know anything about him. Eleven million pounds. Um, in terms of outgoings, they've not really had anyone go. Shane Long's gone on a free. Fraser Force has gone to Tottenham on a free transfer as well. Mm. Again, another team that are really hard to assess, Southampton. I really like them as a team. I like the way Ralph Hasenhutl sets them up. They play kind of a hybrid system. They know how to... They can sit in deep when they need to. They can also press and go after teams when they need to. They always give one of the big teams a run for their money. Obviously, James Ward-Prowse is a massive player. They've managed to hold on to him for another season. Yeah. I've, I've gone 13th for Southampton. I think they will improve on last season and... I think so. I've just think Hasenut was a really good manager, and I think they're just a stable club. They've got good players like Livermento, etc. I don't know. What are well, your I've thoughts? got them to go down actually. Have you? Eighteenth. Yeah, I just think this is the season where they'll finally meet their dues, so to speak. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I just I just think they've I just think they've treaded water for too long. I think they've okay. made the the additions they've made are good. I think Aribo's good, but. I'm just not sure how long how long it will last. And I'm, I think how Harson Hootle. I think I do think he's got a good idea about how he wants to play, and but I just don't think he has the the the, the players to to utilise his system properly. And no, I, I, mm. I'm just so worried about them. What do you think changed from last season then? Because they haven't really lost anyone. Well, no, I just I just I just think teams that continuously tread water and sort of flirt with relegation eventually will get relegated, and I think that's what's going to happen to mm. them. Just a gut feeling, yeah. really, more than anything. Yeah, no, I, I don't think it's out of the question. I think, obviously, Carl Walker-Peters has been linked to Chelsea, actually, trying to strengthen it right back and offer cover for, for Reese James. So I think that would be, obviously, he's a right back, so you'd hope that they could replace him, but that could be kind of a key outgoing yeah. if he went and that could have a serious impact on them. I just think if you look through their squad, they've got a decent team. I like that Roman Pero. I like Jack Stevens. Um, I, I, Valentino Livermento is a brilliant player. Salasu as well is a good player. I think you've got. I mean, Bednarek's a he's a Premier League quality player. Then you go through your midfield. You've got Ariel Romeo. You've got Stuart Armstrong. I mean, I don't know much about these signings either that have come in. I mean, I'm sure Lavia come from Manchester City must be decent. Yeah. And Ga- I'm not seeing Gazanu on here actually. Not sure where he plays that Gazano. Pazano. Um, yeah. He's a keeper. Oh, he's a keeper, is it? Yeah, he's right. an island's keeper, yeah. Oh, right. So he should slot in at first choice, really. I mean, they've got Alex McCarthy as well. But I'm not too convinced about Alex McCarthy. Yeah, so I've gone 13th. West has gone 18th. It'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Obviously, we've gone very contrasting views on that. Right, so now we're on to the home stretch. We've got Tottenham Hotspur. Probably the, the team that have added I won't say the most but in terms of what the, what they needed and they've backed their manager the most really 
And yeah, we look through their where their business this summer. Obviously, Ivan Perisic on a free from Inter Milan. Fraser Forster from Southampton. Yves Basuma from Brighton for 25 million. Richarlison, obviously, we spoke about at the top of the episode. Jed Spence from Middlesbrough, formerly of Nottingham Forest on loan. And Clement Longley on loan from Barcelona. We spoke in detail about Spurs in our last podcast. Is there any more you'd like to add? And I suppose, should we just go straight into it? Where do you think, where do you see Spurs finishing this season? Um, I've got Spurs down as third. Yeah. Right. I think they're, they're, they look the strongest out of the, the rest of the park pack other than City and Liverpool, obviously. But I don't see them having anywhere near enough to challenge the other two. I just don't. Um, so, yeah, third. I think third would be a respectable finish for Tottenham as well. It would be improvement on last season. And, you know, I think they can also... They can focus on having a really good season in the Premier League, doing as well as they can. But they can also put a load of other energy into actually winning a trophy and mm. getting... Don't know whether that's a Carabao Cup or an FA Cup. I think any trophy would be more than welcome for Tottenham fans, but it's certainly not out of the question for a team like Spurs and the manager they've got and the players that they've gotten out at their disposal to win something like a Champions League. And that's just mm. a you know it's not always the best team that wins the Champions League. And you know with someone like Antonio yeah. Conte, anything can happen. Yeah, and there's a lot of players that if they come in and make the impact that they could. We're looking at a Perisic, we're looking at a Basuma, like Longley, if he can get back to, to what he was. Yeah. And we're, we're, they're adding on to a team as well that was brilliant towards the end of last season. I mean, if Spurs hadn't signed anyone, they still would have looked good going into this season. I mean, the impact of Kulisevsky, he's a player that I think is only on the up. Like, he's just going to get better and better. You saw as well last season that. Conte, he brought the best out of a lot of players that would have been expected to probably leave. We're looking at Ben Davis, we're looking at the Ryan Sessegnons, we're looking at the Eric Dias. Like they're hopefully going to continue to get better as well for for a Tottenham fans. And yeah, I've gone for third as well. Um, yeah. Kind of echoing the same reasons for you, really. I think they're the best of the rest, and I can't see. Obviously, uh, this is the Premier League. Mad things can happen. Harry Kane could get injured first game, first game week. So you just never know. But I think if Conte keeps his cool, I can't see anything other than Spurs doing well this season. And hopefully for them, they will be vying for a, for a trophy because they do need it, man. They need a trophy. Like anything, literally anything at this point. Carabao Cup, FA Cup, anything. They just need it. They need that taste of winning something. And I think it could be dangerous once they get that taste. Yeah, I think Spurs. We've all just all rival fans have kind of been holding on to the fact that there's Spursy or whatever, and oh, they've got nothing to respond to because they've never won anything or they haven't in so long. But yeah, maybe this season could be the season. Who's your one to watch for for Spurs? Like out of all the new signings, or I maybe think, someone that was already there. I think Basuma really. I think yeah, could easily end up looking back and being sort of like the signing of the summer really across the Premier League. Mm. Yeah, I think yeah. I think obviously Hoi Berg obviously is a, is a is a solid player in that position, but I think Pesuma sort of takes that to the next level for Tottenham, and obviously Hoi Berg's fantastic depth as well to have for someone like Pesuma. Yeah, if I'm honest, I think he'll start Hoi Berg. Do you think? 
I just I think he's a really reliable player and I think Conte likes him. He did yeah. well last season. It's just it's where do they fit them all in because you've got Benzinkur as well yeah. in that midfield. So it'll be interesting to see but I think Pesuma could really be that standout signing for for uh, mm. for all the Premier League. I just wonder if he'd go Pesuma and Hoiberg. Possibly. They might be a little bit too defensive but they've obviously got loads of attacking talent on that pitch. Yeah. Um, For me, a player to watch is Ryan Sessegnon. I thought he made some real improvements under Conte last season and he seemed to make that left wing back spot his own. Obviously, I know Perisic is coming in now, but I don't think by any means it's guaranteed that Perisic is going to start and maybe not every week either with his age as well. So I think Ryan Sessegnon will still play a big role for, for Spurs and we know how important those those wing backs are to, to Conte's system. And when you're feeding players like Son and Kane, you're going to get bags of assists, etc. And I think Setignon, yeah, I, I've been, I was quietly impressed by him last season. I know he kind, his career kind of plateaued somewhat after he kind of had that really sharp rise at Fulham, got the move to Tottenham. Then yeah, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see. So we've both gone third with with Tottenham. Yeah. Move on now to West Ham. Nayef Agued is my player to watch. We signed him from Wren. Obviously, they needed cover at centre back West Ham, and. I think he's going to be a really good addition to them. I know he got injured in pre-season, but I think it wasn't as bad as they they once thought. Um, no, obviously, Gianluca Scamacca has signed from Sassuolo, Italian striker, £35 million. He's yeah. a really interesting player, actually, Scamacca, and his career, career trajectory kind of makes him an unknown entity somewhat because... Last season was his first senior season where he'd really offered like a proper return. He's a player that was really highly thought of in like the youth ranks. I think he came through. I want to say it was it was he at Lazio for a bit. Was he was he at Juve as well? Or who was he at? He was like one of the big boys when he was younger, and then he went on to um, PSV in obviously Holland. And that didn't go very well. And then he went to Sassuolo and went out on a few loans while at Sassuolo. And he's kind of just starting to offer a return now. And West Ham have taken a gamble. They've gone for him. They needed a striker, obviously. Offer competition to Mikel Antonio. And and just offer more of a kind of an archetypal striker option to Antonio as well. What are we thinking about Skamaka? Because I'm kind of worried it could be a flop, but... Yeah, it's a gamble because obviously if you look at his his record across his career so far, I think yeah, sixteen last season was his best return, which obviously is a good return, but it's not like a it's not you make wow, you know what I mean? It's not no. like But obviously that's in a in a Sassuolo team that aren't sort of challenging at the higher up part of Syria. So it's a lot yeah, it's a lot of money for someone who's young and who hasn't really proved it other than last season. It's a bit like a Darwin Nunes, really. Before last season, Darwin Nunes was playing in the Spanish second division with Almira, so it's mm. it's it's definitely a gamble. But if it pays off, if he does click, then I think he'll be really good for West Ham and just mm. exactly what they need. So yeah, look forward to seeing him. Yeah, we've we've we have spoke about it before on the podcast really that the the market. I mean, West Ham are even lower down like than Arsenal or someone, but the market below those the Harlands and Nunes, and then maybe like the Jesus as well. Or Jesus was kind of the one below. Striker market isn't that strong at the moment, is it? No, I just, it doesn't seem to be. I know it's kind of been going out of fashion, really, the striker position. 
But obviously, the big teams now are, are signing strikers. City have gone back to a, a traditional number nine. But there just doesn't seem to be that many options. Like, if I'm looking at Newcastle, there's not an obvious player that I'd say, yeah, Newcastle should go and get him, and he's, like, attainable for them. It's just not, I don't know. There's not, not really anything out there. I don't know what that's down to. But, yeah, in terms of West Ham, where have we got them to finish? Obviously, last season, they finished in seventh, which I think... I mean, they would have snapped your hand off before the season, but they will be disappointed with that in the end. They finished the season quite poorly. Yeah, I've got seventh this season. You've gone seventh, right? Well, I've gone ninth. I think they're going to dip a little bit this season. Um, I think maybe just because of that kind of honeymoon period might wear off a little bit. And I just, I'm never particularly impressed with West Ham, if I'm honest. They, they grind results out. They're a really productive team. They've obviously, I really, I like players like. Jared Bowen, etc. But and they've they they have obviously got Declan Rice for another season, and he's going to continue to get better. But yeah, I I think they're in that kind of part of the league where they could finish as high as seventh. They could finish like twelfth or something. But yeah, right. So we've gone. Um, I've gone ninth, and Westy's gone seventh with West Ham. Right, we'll move on to the final team <clears throat> in the league, Wolves. Obviously, last season. 10th, a very respectable finish for Bruno Large in his first season. And I think there was a lot of positives and a lot of optimism going into this season. That might have been kind of um, diluted somewhat, that optimism, because they haven't really backed Large at all in the transfer window, which I think is surprising, really. I don't know if that's a financial kind of motivated decision or... Well, they've got Nathan Collins from Burnley, who I think is a really solid signing, £20 million. They've got Wang Hee Chan has signed on a permanent deal. And then the other two signings look like they're young players. Do you think this could be a mistake, not back in large? Do you think it might come back to Barton next season? Yeah, I think yeah, I think Wolves have had the potential now for two, three years to go up to that next level and start pushing for them Europa League spots on a consistent basis. But they've just never really backed their managers. And I think large has shown enough personally to warrant backing and they haven't yeah. provided him with them funds so because of that and their lack of investment I've actually got them down as finishing 16th which would be a disappointing season but I just don't oh, I just don't think they score enough goals personally and yeah. yeah like you say I just think they just need reinvestments and I think at season on season when you play with the same squad of players it can just fans can get a bit sort of tired a bit bored and even the players are playing in the squad. It can get a bit samey and everything, but yeah, I just don't it's, know. I, I, it was, it was a, there was a group of teams in when we're doing the predictions where you they could be within mm. six or seven places up and down. They could all swap places, but I didn't really know where to put them other than I just think I just can't see them having that yeah. good of a season wall because of the lack of investment. Mm. I agree with the. I think all the managers talk about, it, don't they? They're refreshing the squad, and I think that's what, from a Leicester fan, although we don't really need players, it's just nice to refresh the squad, get a few, a few names, a few fresh faces around the the training ground, and I do think, I mean, looking at the striker position, it is going to be a real place of of, of woe, I think, for 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 Wolves going into next season. Raúl Jiménez has really not been able to find the goal scoring form he had before. Uh, he, Huang Hee Chan I know he showed some positive signs last season but nothing like a a reliable kind of output um, 
Obviously, Adama Traore's returned on loan, or well, he's returned permanently, but he was on loan last season at Barcelona. Pedro Neto is one to keep an eye on. Obviously, he is back fit, and he is a, a really top talent. And obviously, if you've got him and Podence on one side, well, on either flank, I think they could do really well. I think they have still got a really solid core to their team. If you go through it, they've obviously retained Ruben Neves today. I think it looks like they will do. They're going to hold out. and Well, if anyone wants Neves, they're going to have to pay a lot of money. Matinho's extended his contract by a year. Morgan Gibbs-White has been obviously subject to interest for throughout the window. Um, did really well at Sheffield United last season. Nottingham Forest want um, Gibbs-White, but I have a feeling he might stay at Wolves. I'm, I might be wrong. Um, again, I've not really been massively impressed with him in the Premier League. I know he did well last season. You go through the team there; they've got Cody, Kilman, Bowley, Nathan Collins at the back. Like they look pretty solid. Um, yeah, and that's why I've gone twelfth for Wolves, kind of middle of the road. A little bit of a, a a decline from last season, but I think Wolves they'll have a solid season. Yeah, in an ideal world, they could have done with more signings, but I don't think it'll be the end of the world. Anyway, that is our Premier League predictions. We're going to go for our leagues now. I'll go for mine quickly. Obviously, it's been a long episode, but hopefully you guys, it's not been boring or we've just kind of, we've tried to be, this is us trying to be quick. I mean, imagine if we'd gone into full detail, we would have been here for hours. Um, But I think we needed this. I think you needed to go into this kind of detail and hopefully you guys feel prepared for the season coming up. Maybe you know some players to watch out for. And yeah, let us know how what you think of, of our opinions, maybe on your teams, on other teams. You can get in contact with us. You can interact with us through at Divided Opinion on Instagram. We'll go through our leagues and then we'll go through a couple of like, player of the seasons, whatever. We'll do it really quickly just to get this episode wrapped up. So for my league table for the Premier League 2022 slash 23 season, starting from the bottom, I've gone Fulham to finish 20th, Bournemouth in 19th. Brentford in 18th, which I think I'm going to regret looking back on it. 17th, we've got Leeds and Everton, um, incidentally in the same positions that they were last season. Then we've got Aston Villa in 15th, Nottingham Forest above them in 14th. Then we've got Ralph Hasenhutl, Southampton in 13th. Then we've got Wolves in 12th, Brighton in 11th. 10th place, we've got Crystal Palace improving on the, the well, improving more on the, the improvements from last season. Ninth, we've got West Ham. Eighth, we've got uh, Newcastle. And then seventh, optimistically, I've gone for Leicester City. And then sixth, we've got Chelsea. Fifth place, just missing out on Champions League football, we've got Manchester United. And then fourth, Arsenal. Third, Tottenham. Second, Liverpool. And then crowned champions for the third season in a row. I'm not sure if it's ever been done before. It has. We've got Manchester City. It's been done twice by Man United. <laughs> Right, go through your table then, please, Westy. Bournemouth, bottom of the pile. 19th, Fulham. 18th, Southampton. 17th, Everton. 16th, Wolves. 15th, Nottingham Forest. 14th, Brentford. 13th, Leeds. 12th, we've got Brighton. 11th, Crystal Palace. 10th, Aston Villa. 9th, Leicester City. 8th, Newcastle United. 7th West Ham 6th Arsenal 5th Chelsea 4th Man United 3rd Spurs 2nd Liverpool and yep up the top Manchester City again unfortunately right yeah there's some interesting shouts in there I think 
Wolves for you is a mad one. I think 16th. I mean, Brentford 18th for me. Let's hope I was right, but I could be red-faced yeah. again next season. Um, yeah. I think it's pretty... We've not gone too outlandish with our shouts. No. And, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see. I think it's going to be an amazing season, and I'm looking forward to it. Obviously, you guys are going to be with us every step of the way throughout the season. We're going to be rounding up the Premier League action, plus the Champions League, etc., Player of the season, Wesley. Obviously, I've not prepared anything for like player of the season stuff, so I'm going to go off the cuff here. Who are you thinking for player of the season? I've gone for Kevin De Bruyne. Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah, right. bit of a boring shout, but you know, I think it, it always is though, isn't it, for player of the season? Yeah, I mean, you're not going to say someone like um, Luke Shaw, are you? <laughs> I'm going to go... I mean, the problem is nowadays, and I don't know if it always was the case, but... If you whoever wins the league or like comes second at least, they're the ones that are going to get the awards, aren't they? Yeah. So I, I've got a feeling Kane, but I don't know because if Kane if they I've, don't win anything, I've gone for Kane as my golden boot winner. Yeah, I, I I don't know. There's not really anyone that jumps out to me really, apart from like De Bruyne or Salah. But I'm going to go for Mo Salah, just to be different. Brilliant. So we're going by Salah. I think Mane's not going to be there. Obviously, he's got even more of a prominent role. It's going to be all going down Salah's way. Yeah, no Salah for that. And then I'll go Young Player of the Year. I think maybe Saka. I've gone Kulazeski. That's actually a big shout out. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, right. Saka and Kulazeski. And then is there any other awards? We need to I've gone one to watch. Right. Who's, you, who's, to watch? Your, who's your standout one to watch out of all the players you've said are your ones to watch? Yeah, let me have a look. Um, I'm going to go for ones to watch. I'm going to go William Saliba at Arsenal. All right. I've gone for, well, I've mentioned him a lot, Malcolm Eberwey for Crystal Palace. Right. Yeah, no, I'm I'm really interested to watch him now. You've, you've sold him to me. I've also got down the surprise package, team-wise. Who's your surprise package? And... Mm, I'm going to say, mm, I think... It's hard to look past Nottingham Forest, I think. Yeah. When you're looking at business and what people have done, I know it's probably not surprising with the amount they've spent, but yeah, I'm going to go Forest. Yeah. As much as it pays me to say. I've got, even though I've only put them in 11th, I've gone Palace. So I just think, yeah. I just think they've got a good season, and I think, especially after a year of the air and sort of adapting mm. to a system, a couple of exciting signings they've added, I think they can really sort of push on and, yeah, just, just do a lot better than they did last season. And yeah, mm. I, I think they're they're going to be exciting to watch this year. Yeah, Golden Boot. I'm going to go Haaland. You've gone Kane. Yeah. Right. Any particular reasoning? Uh, just the experiences there. I think you know Haaland. Yeah. I think he he will explode eventually, but I think it might take him maybe a month or two to really settle in and get to grips with Guardiola's system. Because I think if you saw it in the the, the um, Community Shield, yes, he had chances, and it's always good. It's ne- it's never an issue when the strikers. The only issue is when they're not getting chances, you know what I mean? They're not getting yeah. the positions. But, you know, yeah, exactly. it's a lot of different league. Exactly. Right, well, I think we will round off the episode there. And I've got to be honest, probably the most enjoyable episode that I've been involved in. Um, I hope you guys have enjoyed it as much as we have recording it. I hope I speak for both of us. Westy, you enjoyed that episode? Yeah, fantastic. Let's hope it. we look back at it with an enjoyable view at the end of next season. Yeah, 
Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully for your um, sake, Brentford are, are in the championship this time next year. I feel, <laughs> I, I feel a bit conflicted with that one because I, I, I do like Brentford, and like I said, I don't, I don't know. If I'm honest, I'm already regretted it. <laughs> Looking yeah. back, I started off raving about them, and then looked at my fingers like, why oh, not? I put them in 18th, but no, that's it's just, done now. That's just how they get off to a bad is, start. <laughs> yeah, let's really hope that <laughs> Brentford do terribly next season. Um, yeah, I, I, there is reasoning behind that, though, with the, with the with Brentford. Anyway, I'm not going to go back into it. Thank you for joining me, Westy. Thoroughly enjoyable. And I look forward to Brilliant. dissecting the, the Premier League with you ahead. Likewise, my friend. Nice one. Right, yeah, speak to you soon, guys. Obviously, remember to follow the podcast. Uh, click on your notifications as well so you're notified every week an episode's out. We're going to be trying really hard to get the episode out weekly so you can't really guarantee just with other things going on we can't really guarantee like a specific day but we're really going to try to get one out at least once every two weeks or once every week if we can um yeah do everything follow the podcast um follow us on instagram if you want to do that we really appreciate everyone's support and people listening to the show um yeah we'll stop waffling now and we'll leave you to it enjoy the premier league season and we hope that your team goes well. And yeah, we'll speak to you soon.